We are back for Movie Marathon, and we are here to talk about the third Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusades. Uh, uh, Mike, how's it going? Uh, Grabe, is that how you say it? I've said crusade for years. Yeah, no one's ever corrected me. Croissant, I believe. Croissant. Indiana Jones croissant. I think it's French. It's a French pronunciation. And and if I've learned... Anything Much from of the this movie. that uh, that uh, words with the letter J actually be with the letter I. So that explains why at the end Donovan eats that fancy croissant and ages <laughs> super fast. Uh, and then uh, it's also why it's pronounced Jones, not Jones. So Jones. <laughs> oh, um, man. Years of questions finally all making sense. <laughs> I would like. <laughs> Can you imagine a history of the Bible if it was really just a croissant instead it's a of croissant. A, a chalice instead? <laughs> the, the last, the last supper was the last like brunch, <laughs> and they had croissants. Rumor has it that the croissant went stale two thousand years ago. <laughs> so uh, if, if we didn't, uh, uh, if we didn't insult uh, Jewish people in the Delta Force episode, hopefully just insulted a bunch of Christians in the <laughs> Last Crusade episode. <laughs> Well, and I know when we get to uh, record Temple of Doom, that oh, well, insult all the Hindu people. people so. All the Hindus, uh, so. so that will take care of itself. So, But uh, I am doing great, Murph. I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie. Uh, it's Indiana Jones is probably my favorite movie character franchise. Uh, so let's just say it was a refreshing t- to go from some... Uh, Pretty terrible, like canon movies, to a really, really good movie. <laughs> yeah, this has been a palate cleanser. It actually, it actually kind of was refreshing. Like it was, it was. I had a hard time. So uh, I'll, I'll reveal that we were, we're doing this out of order. We're recording these out of order. Um, you know, we're doing this in early June. The new one is due out at the end of the of the month. Um, so we're doing. By process of elimination, we just ended up both watching uh, Last Crusade first, <laughs> and I think you already did Crystal Skull, and then I need to do, and then I've done. We both watched Raiders, so we kind of watched it all out of sequence. But, <laughs> but yeah, I when I was watching this, and I was like, "Wow, the pacing's really good in this. Wow, they're doing great <laughs> yeah, exposition. Wow, this is shot really well." And I'm like, "Oh, it's because I'm I'm too acclimated to watching poorly yeah. made movies." <laughs> so I, was, I, I think many. retroactively, I'm knocking my ratings down, like. Half like half a point on all those movies after watching this, just like we had confirmation bias from watching too many bad movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, those are like bad. It's like, mm, I really didn't know what I was missing until I watched something good. <laughs> yeah, and this is we talk about like pacing. I think is about as good as you get. It just moves from like set piece to set piece, but in a logical like story driven way. And they have the right, like, little down emotional beats with characters. And and it's just, the movie just, like, flies along. It's incredible. No, I, I feel the same. I was always, um, not always, I, I was watching it this time. I was very impressed with the ability of, well, and it's just going to sound stupid to say this because it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I was very impressed with, with Spielberg on just, he, he keeps really good pacing all the way through. He uses uh, not such overt um, uh, exposition to allow you to jump between scenes or, or get what you need to from a scene. I, I think the actors, we're going to talk about the cast, but that that helps make this thing move very quickly. And I, it's weird because as a kid, I think this aired on TV. So I saw this in theaters um, 
when it came out, when it was new. Uh, I remember my mom and my dad took me, which was weird because they were divorced. Uh, so it was like, that was like one of the few memories I actually have of them doing like parenting stuff together <laughs> is going to see Indiana Jones. Um, but uh, I remember this was just on USA and TNT when we were kids all the time. And so in my head, this is like a three hour movie because I'm thinking about like commercial breaks. Like it's already a two hour movie. Uh, but it's a pretty tight mm. two hours if you're just watching it straight through. Yeah. But in my head, I have like, no, it's going to take three to watch this because it's got all, you know, it's just. <laughs> but when I watched it this time, I'm like, man, this thing for two hours, it really moves. It's crazy how quickly they can they can jump into the plot and and, and then just roll through. And it's like, I don't know. I was just like pleasantly surprised. I was kind of expecting this, not, not this to be a slog, but I was like, ah, it's, it's a long movie. It's going to be hard to sit and watch. But yeah, burned through it. Um, watched it with uh, um, uh, uh, half of it with with the boys. So I don't know. I, I, I one of my favorite things about Spielberg is you realize how efficient he is as a filmmaker. Yeah, and it does. It is a weird thing to be to to talk about Spielberg films sometimes because it's like, yeah, it's Spielberg. They're really good. Spielberg man like knows what he's doing. Like. Uh, oh. You mean the guy that uh, was making movies in his backyard uh, when he was like seven years old? Uh, the guy that went to wait, did he go to um, uh, UCLA for film school? Um, I or no, he didn't I get in. Right? He, no, I don't think so. Because um, Lucas, no. I think, is the one who went to USC. Or USC, thank you. I don't think Spielberg did. Um, but either way, uh, it's, it's kind of like, oh no, yeah, like you said, no shit. This yeah. guy who's won <laughs> Academy Awards and made some of the best movies of all time. Oh, he's really good, huh? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I think when you talk about like going into this thinking it might it's gonna be long, I think part of that is so many scenes are very memorable that if I like sit and think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a great scene, that's a great scene, that's a great scene. I can kind of like construct it in my head and be like, oh wow, that's a lot of scenes. Like, yeah, this must be pretty long. And it's like, oh no, that's all the scenes because like they're all it's just memorable scene after memorable scene, and like, oh, there's nothing in between. Being no, the, it, like the there's really not being in Berlin and being in like there, there's never a point in this where you're like, oh, OK, um, Spielberg was like taking a break in Italy or like when they're shooting <laughs> in Venice and they just did a bunch of second unit stuff to go like put filler in. You're right. Like every, everything feels like it's purpose built and. You never are getting. You're never getting his, his B game, you're getting a game the entire time, and I think that's a really that's a really uh, important compliment to the to the overall production. I, 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 you and I were talking about this a little bit. I think one thing that's worth noting: we talked about Spielberg, but there's a lot of return uh, crew and cast in this, which I think helps. Yeah, helps keep the consistency yeah. of the series. So you know, the first Raiders comes out and was it 1980 or is it 81? Uh, why am I? I think it's 81. I think I got it wrong. Um, I'm gonna look it up, but uh, so basically, this this yeah, trilogy bookends the 1980s, and it's interesting that that uh you you get a lot of the re- of repeat um uh cast and, and crew, and I think that's what helps. There's a cohesion to me that keeps all of these together that I really I really appreciated watching this one. Yeah, and I think that's when we get to Crystal Skulls to talk mm-hmm. about well, how it kind of falls <laughs> off there. It doesn't quite feel that it's so many years later. It's you know a different dp uh yeah denim elliott has passed away and like you're just you've lost a number of those 
ties to, and I mean, they even bring back uh, Marion in that to try to capture some of that. Um, but I think you've lost a lot of like casting crew DNA. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And I think um, we haven't touched on it obviously yet, but you know, the score having John Williams is the, the score all the way through was mm. a, a really important um, piece, but yeah, this, this had uh to your point, the cinematographer and this was uh, Douglas Slocum who had done the first two. He also did um, uh, interestingly uh, kind of a relevant movie to this uh, never say never again in 1983, yeah. which was a Connery movie. And it was actually his last Connery's mm. official unofficial last bond movie. So he knows how to shoot old Sean Connery. He does. And he also <laughs> did, uh, which is, I, I just like his IMDb because um, it's very diverse. Uh, he did The Great Gatsby He all, in the 70s. He also did Rollerball. And he did yeah. uh, which is, uh, the original uh, Italian job. Is I haven't seen Rollerball in a while, but it's shot interesting. It, uh, visually, it's a really interesting movie because yeah. they, they pick a lot of modern locations and um, uh, it's from very interesting angles and, and the way they shoot the action in, in the the what is his name? Jonathan, uh, the, the the James Conn character, <laughs> like the way they shoot all those action sequences on the on the roller rink are, are, are pretty impressive. It's, I think it's like for a made up sport, for a made up sport, like it, yeah. they, they have it down pretty well, and you feel like you're actually in the action, which is which is cool. But yeah, so I, I I like the cohesion we get from having a lot of the same players uh, all the way through the the 1980s run. And I think to your point, when we get to Crystal Skull, the challenge there is what 30 years removed almost from this, and uh, it just the wheels come off a little bit for me. I'll say as an adult for for my enjoyment yeah yeah fair so my memory of this movie is and i I mean someone could probably spot check this and either confirm or deny it but my memory is on an easter sunday this was (laughs) like the abc or cbs like sunday afternoon at the movies and being at my grandmother's house and coming in about halfway through and people are watching it and just being like what is this and like having no knowledge or history of this and just like watching it and like being incredibly like intrigued by it and then at the end when uh donovan ages super fast being completely freaked the fuck out and like that being like a source of like nightmares uh but but from a young age um when i first saw this really pulls at something like in my psyche of that i just really love and enjoy I, I I agree. I um you said it really well when we were talking. I can't remember what what point of the movie we were talking about, but this this is a movie that is is designed and works to appeal to a lot of different audiences. And mm. and I know it it resonated with me as a kid a lot. I I I loved this movie. Again, I got to go see it in theaters. I went to the. I mean, I went to the. This is how old this movie is i went to the national hills movie theater which was across the street from the augusta national which does not exist anymore yeah. um uh i think i went to go see the rocketeer there and that's the last movie i remember seeing in that <laughs> um which is about the same time frame as this actually <laughs> we're uh i'd love to think the rocketeer and indiana jones exist in the same world fighting nazis together <laughs> fighting nazis that's true yeah and you can That's do another Bond tie You can bring another James Bond back and bring back Timothy Dalton to fight. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so speaking of Bond, Connery. Yeah. Is, he is killing it in this, man. 
out of this world great casting and incredible as like playing kind of against type of being more the up like uptight tweeted professor as and but is so that casting is so critical that he can one Sean Connery can hold his own on screen with Harrison Ford in terms of like charisma and charm and there's not many people you can say that for so he feels <laughs> equal to him when they're together and just bringing that history of being James Bond is I, don't know, I think it's so critical to an audience of everything he does and then believing like oh like this could be this guy's father because I mean I'm famously you know Spielberg and Lucas like they wanted, wanted to, make to a do Bond a James movie. Bond movie yeah. and Eon at that time wasn't going to turn stuff over to Americans to do anything which and... is which is, can we just that, that is <laughs> fucking crazy like. It is a little strange. Like after, after, even after Spielberg had done Jaws, they're like, "Okay, the guy just did the biggest movie in the world." Yeah, and they're like, "Nah, it's not gonna trust him." With this. But it's funny how things change. If someone did the equivalent of Jaws today, yeah, they would hand and it wanted to, to do a Bond movie. I think a hundred percent, they'd be like, "Yeah, well, that's." I mean, I think they'd pull the plug if it wasn't going well or the person wanted to do something weird or like, but if the person was just like, yeah, I'm going to just do a standard good Bond movie. It's like, I think they have no problems with that now. It's just funny where the world or where they were at with that franchise. And they kind of did that with No Time to Die, right? Because Danny Boyle was signed on to direct it. And I think he creatively did not want to go in some of the same directions that the Broccoli's did or Eon did. Yeah, and and I think that spurned him to leave. But then what do they do? They go out and get uh, Carrie Fukunaga, who who was coming out. Is it Fukunaga or Fukawa? Yeah. I think I'm pronouncing his name. I'm I'm, I'm destroying his I'm, name. I'm not going to try to correct you because then I'll just be wrong too. Um, there you go. Uh, but he was hot off of you know True Detective. So I, I they did. You're right. They do that now. <laughs> That's exactly what they just did for the last month movie. Yeah. Well, I think at that time, I think their the productions were so close together. They're making one every couple of years for the bond, and they kind of just pull in cast the same crew. Yeah, and like, oh, like the second unit guy is now directing, or the editor is coming in to direct, or something. And like, um, yeah. so bringing in a completely new voice probably was a little harder at that time. That's true, because and like they're probably going to want to bring in some of their crew, and it probably more of a disruption. And now there's so much space in between that they're recollecting, like whoever they can um, or like, or they're sticking with like, Oh, like Sam Mendes will do the next one too. And so he'll keep bringing the same people back with him, which he did. Didn't, didn't he bring for Skyfall and yeah, he brought um, like his cinematographer, Roger um, uh, Deacons. Yeah. Roger Deacons, I think for two yeah. of them, right? Yeah. For uh, Skyfall and then uh, whatever. Came Spectre. Out Spectre. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I can, yeah. that's kind of a forgotten one for me um, <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I took his way off point uh, off target. You, you were mentioning, you know, Spielberg and, and Lucas had had kind of set out to to create their own <clears throat> their own uh, James Bond movie after they couldn't uh, get Eon to buy off on them directing and writing. Yeah, and, and so that's when they're basically creating a Bond esque character, and then to be able to bring in James Bond to be his father is. <laughs> And I think it's just a smart choice that they don't make him James Bond. They completely play against that type. But in the audience, they know the audience is going to view him as like, but we still know. 
like that's james bond wink, wink, even if nudge. he's yeah yeah even if he's a medieval literature professor um it's interesting too this is like right about two years after connery plays malone in the untouchables with that uh the De Palma film yeah and he's like a hard-boiled not like he's a hard-boiled angry violent <laughs> cop in that and but he's good he he kind of has the same role in that for Kevin Costner as he does in in Last Crusade for Indy. But in, yeah, in he's Indiana in Jones, that mentor. Yeah, period of his career that yeah. But he's a much softer and pleasant and more sort of sweet old manish here uh, than than obviously than he is in The Untouchables. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, but I. I I think he's great. And I, I don't remember a role of his where he's playing such a soft, gentle, but intelligent and thoughtful character. He, it really does feel like if I look at the untouchables and then this two years apart, it feels like he does age 10 years between those movies for, at least for me on, on, on how I see him on the screen. Yeah. He's, he does a good job of, I mean, there, there are some times in this where I'm like, man, that would be an intimidating professor to have because you can see the sternness in him. Yeah. And then he's just a big guy as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and so there are times where, where it's almost like, oh my God, like he must have been so intimidating in like, like, I don't staff meetings if you like, or something, just because <laughs> like the sheer physical presence. Of, uh, but to your point, he does a good job of, in the movie, probably puts him in positions to do it well too, of where <clears throat> he like, he like sits down a lot. It just makes him, but it just makes him feel like less, a little less vitality, which ages him while Indy's like up and like importantly, like the motorcycle thing where he's in like the sidecar and kind of like hunched into himself. Just 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 judging. (laughs) Yeah. But it makes him look so much older the same way it would make like an 18 year old look like a 12 year old. Yeah. It's making him, oh, I forget how old he is filming this, but it's, it's making him look a little more feeble and stuff. And so it's a, it, they do a good job of making him feel old. Because I don't think between him and Harrison Ford, I don't know if the math quite works out for him to be his dad. So Connery would have been, he was born in, he's actually born on almost your birthday, 1930. When um, I think Ford is... Ford's 80. So no, the, the math actually doesn't work. I think it just goes to Harrison Ford doesn't look. Like, I think there's more of like a thir- 12, 13-ish. It, but and so like, I don't know. He's Connery's bald and you see. just say he's playing five years there's, older. Yeah, they're, they're about five 12 years younger. 12 years yeah, apart. And so I think I think it's more just one's playing five years younger, one's playing five years older. And so it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they could also be um, it's like Connery's not, I mean, like you said, I mean, how many years before it's six years before is never say uh, never yeah. five. Um, if you count filming, he's probably, they probably he's, filmed this in 88. So, yeah, right. Um, where he, he is still James he, Bond. And he looks, I mean, honestly, he's pretty good shape in that. He looks good. I mean, it's, he's crazy wig game going on, but you know, he's, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but be otherwise there. physically, like he's doing stuff with his shirt off. Like he's still pretty fit for being about, mid 50 i mean he looks good uh, you know and, and Still this, sexually harassing women and <laughs> uh, hey he does what he does best um and it's only creepy because it's creepy not because he's an old man like <laughs> it's only creepy because kim basinger was probably like 22 in that movie <laughs> yeah no i think you're i think you're right <laughs> uh now I'm, that's the third celebrity i'm gonna look up birthdays for <laughs> speaking episode. but speaking of bond girls we got a uh... duty <laughs> 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 uh 
I, I know I, I'm I'm gonna be forty in a couple months. I still laugh at the credits. It's in my notes. <laughs> Duty, <laughs> Duty. I, like, I will never. I was like, I, that's I should be. I should be embarrassed and not speak about that in public. That that's still what my brain does. No, I still do it too. And I, so I have to ask you, what is the worst name to have, Allison Duty or Ginny Flex? Because this poor <laughs> woman has had both. <laughs> I'm gonna say this is gonna turn into a Bond podcast. On I know. <laughs> I'm gonna say Allison Duty is worst. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Because Ginny Flex is just kind of stupid. <laughs> doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really imply anything. At least the pun is not like. Feces. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a synonym for poop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kim Basinger was right about thirty when they filmed, so that's not as bad. Uh, oh, really? Filmed, uh, oh, yeah. I had her in my head being much younger. She looks much younger. I, I'll, I'll say that. I didn't realize she's from. Athens. She looks great. She does. Um. Uh. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> it's getting weird. Um. Yeah, so I I I love Connery in this. He's. I don't know why. I just think. Well, I know why. I guess. Um, I just really enjoy the scenes of, and the interactions with him and Ford, especially in the third act of this. I think. The the father son relationship always feels very believable to me, and yeah. it's they're not playing it. They never the the two of them never go big or feel like they have to over deliver on exposition for their relationship it's really small moments i think throughout this that that build that credibility and that and i i don't know why it always gets me but at the end when uh the grail so duty has fallen into the crack because she she goes after the grail and they're trying to escape the the chamber in jordan and indy's trying to get the chat or get the the grail and is it the am I yeah it's the Grail. I, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm like, wait, is it the Ark is the Grail? <laughs> I'm confused. But uh, when when um, uh, Connery is just use he just he's trying to convince him to get out of there and just for, give up give up the Grail so that he can he can escape with his life. And uh, he drops his voice and just starts talking to him sort of sweetly like a like a father talking to his yeah. his his toddler son and. I've just always really enjoyed the dynamic between the two of them because it all, it feel it's it, you, you, I think we'll talk about it. There's probably a little bit too much comedy at times, but I really feel there's a tenderness between the two of them all the way through the movie and that, that they genuinely care about each other without having, having it need to be this big dramatic or over the top um, explanation of that. I, I just, for whatever reason, their dynamic, they really play well off each other throughout the whole movie. And I, I, th- I can't, I, I really couldn't imagine casting anybody else is is indy's dad the way yeah Connery i was trying to it. think of who else at that time you could do and i was i don't like michael Caine. like i don't know like, like i still I, don't think it would be you wouldn't carry no. as much weight because michael Caine doesn't have that presence and that that I, th- I think you're right there's something about the history of it being the original bond is his dad it's just so perfect it's a, it's, it is yeah jack palance i don't know he was pretty old he kind of squints yeah like Harrison and it's like, i think it would still be like a very good movie but i think that casting of Connery is critical to this being a great movie that yeah. it just, it really adds a lot. Yeah. And I like that with that father son, it's a, they try to like, like, like Indy tries to talk to him about it, like on the blimp or whatever. And he's like, and it's just, it doesn't 
go as he would want and doesn't really go anywhere. And it's like, that's like such a believable thing. And then like my favorite is he's like, I taught you self-reliance. And I was like, that is like the perfect line. Cause that's the line of like every shitty neglectful parent. I'm like, <laughs> I taught you to fend for yourself. Like <laughs> their relationship feels real. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel, I, I think if they try to do something where it's like, there's no big catharsis in no. their relation they're like oh this is still gonna be like a little part but they're closer and they understand each other a little better but it's not like we've solved like we've cracked the code and solved the problem of no of and, I, like. and i like that uh it's not connery having to have been the sort of james bond character that we know he he actually was right like he was he, he was a nerdy professor effectively yeah. And and Indy is kind of his own character without, or he's his own character without having to try and follow in his dad's footsteps. I I, I just I think the father son dynamic all the way through this works really well. Yeah. And, and to they, your point, it feels believable. Yeah, they they have a, the a critical moment is when Henry Senior thinks Indy died, and Connery gives a great reaction of selling like of realizing, oh, I did fuck up. Yeah, I, I did like there are things I wanted to say to him. I thought I always thought I'd have time to kind of fix this and reconnect. And like now I won't. And like, yeah, I messed up. And then at the end, we're in and obviously um Henry Senior's dying and India has to save him. And you see, like for him, it's like I I do still love and care about this person, no matter what problems we've had. Like, yeah, it's like I do care about him. And it's just nice, like they fit in perfectly within the story we're seeing and them getting those moments, but they're not like smash you over the head. Stop the whole movie of like, I really do love you, dad. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I they, they delivered all through acting and, it, and, it, and it's and not like even little so much, subtle choices and things. Yeah. yeah that, it's not even the lines so much. It's just the, the way they, they look at each other and the way they interact. I, I, I think it's it's really well it, done. It may it almost makes the emotional weight of it more impactful because you see them feeling it instead of them just saying like it's like oh like I see what they're feeling and you could never articulate all of what that means, but like I feel it with them of what that. Uh, yeah, what I doing. I agree. I well, um, speaking of that, I mean, even in the final scene, I think <clears throat> there's two other guys in the final scene. I think that are really important for casting is. Um, you get Sala back, uh, John Reese Davies, uh, and you also get is it Stenholm Elliott as yeah. um, uh, oh God, I'm gonna forget it. I'm forgetting his name. Marcus Brody. Marcus Brody. Um, yeah. I think they do a great job of just as supporting characters, delivering a lot of the same weight and the importance of of that. There's just really no to me. There's really no flaws in the cast anywhere in this. Everybody's pretty perfect for the role they're in. Yeah, and, to and the point where, like, at times, um, Donovan, um, I I could recast, um, Julian Glover, okay. and not okay. Um, what, 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 although why, speaking I, of it, that's another Bond connection. Um, <laughs> a, it is. A, a oh, he of, plays um in not Octopus. For your uh, eyes only. For your eyes only. He plays Cristanto, uh, sir. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there are times where he's a little mustache twirly, or like, or and it might it 
I don't think he sells some of the exposition in the middle of the movie as well as he sells at the end. Like one, like, and it might just be a kind of a flaw of his character. It's at the end, he's like Hitler, like can like blah. It's like Hitler's gonna fucking murder you <laughs> when you prank this. Like Hitler's not letting you keep the Grail, dude. <laughs> like I, I think his idea, I think, um, was always that he would get the Grail and he would become immortal, and then there's nothing Hitler could do to stop him. I think that was that was probably his motivation. I'm not yeah, saying it's, it's going to play out that way. <laughs> maybe it's like his plan doesn't entirely add up. Of like, it's like, well, you're surrounded by Nazi soldiers. Like, I don't think yet. But anyway, um, I if. I guess I'm really like nitpicking for the cast because I think he's great. Uh, it's fun having him in the, there, the, but the, the most mustache twirly like, part of his his performance is when they four were... or five other actors at this time that you could put in there and not lose anything. I would guess. Fair. I okay. I, I'll give you that. That maybe his role is. Whereas there are other ones I can't imagine anyone else doing as well. Well, I'm gonna give it. I don't. I don't have his name off the top of my head, but the the guy who plays the the general thoughts on him. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find his name. The German. The German general that he's. It's a British actor. I think his name's Vogel in this. Uh, Michael Byrne. He he's pretty good. I think he he he's been in a lot of stuff. He's, he he's got a great look to him. Yeah. For this that is is memorable it's a memorable look so it works well for that character as just like oh he's it's like he just stands out like oh he's the lead bad german soldier like yeah and actually he was uh in tomorrow never dies so every single oh, wow. person in this has to have been in a bond movie <laughs> present or past and i guess that was a uh that's a requirement <laughs> so um he's also in force 10 from navarone and I, I can't Ooh. remember if he was a german oh yeah i think he, that, or if, i think he is a german in that that's what i thought okay if I remember right, um. so uh, uh, and then John Reese Davies, it was good to see him back. I think you said it, and I didn't realize it until you said it, which is crazy. Uh, it's taken me this long. It this does feel like a modern template for how they do uh, a sequel. It's like let's bring back all the characters that were really popular, yeah, <laughs> for one last big adventure. And um, Sal is not as probably. Uh, we both seem to agree Sal wasn't used maybe to his full ability, but the movie's so fast. There's really he's, not a place. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit more of like a plot device um, in this movie of just how are they getting around like Syria to like, like Oh, Sal, Sal came and he helped them. <laughs> and, like, and then he's a little bit of comic relief as well. But I mean, John Reese Davis is so good and it's such a fun character to see again that you don't, you don't, it, it takes it, you yeah. like, five or six viewings before you're really like nitpicking of like, Oh, they just kind of bring in the whole gang back in. Oh, it would take me five or 600 viewings of this before I'm going to start really nitpicking. I love, yeah. I love this movie. It, it probably is a top five for me just because I, I saw it as a kid and I, I, um, it just checks a lot of boxes for me that, that, that I just have not been able to, to really get out of modern movies. Um, Actually, I was just looking at this. I'm curious on the map. Uh, Egypt and Syria are not that far apart, so I guess it's not implausible that that uh, Salah can travel between Cairo and uh, Syria. Just yeah. making oh, sure no, no, all no. of it lines up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Which is interesting, ends. by the way. That uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go no, ahead. No, no, no. 
no, I didn't really have anything useful to add. <laughs> oh, I just had this super weird piece of trivia that I found uh, about Syria when I was <laughs> looking looking this up because there's a scene where they cut and they say that they're in the Republic of Hatay. And when I looked it up, it's <laughs> only it only existed for 10 months. It was part of Syria. <laughs> And so I guess this movie takes place during that 10 months. During that 10 months. Yeah. But I've not I've not researched enough to actually understand the relevance of why Spielberg made that choice versus anyway, I don't know. I'm, I got yeah, more the... time. We'll do a whole separate episode on trying to understand the Republic of Hatai. If they have or I wonder if it, it's a convenience of like that country no longer exists so no one's going to get mad so about you're not calling it Syria effectively you mean uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's true. Like, oh, they're in this country, and it's like their leader who gets bribed with the Rolls Royce, and like, and so no one's offended because it's like, oh, that country no longer exists. So that's a really good point. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. That's really or when you point. go film somewhere. Oh, we're not telling people like this is Syria, and like it's the uh, Top Gun approach of yeah, of, yeah, of exactly never telling you what country the the bad guys are from. Yeah, but but you know you got to stop bad guys. No, it's yeah. A, if done right, it's it's effective. And why? Yeah. So then it's like, okay, like we're, bad guys are Nazis. <laughs> yeah, everyone it, hates them. <laughs> that's a pretty easy layup too. As a bad guy, I I think it, I mentioned to you that I was watching this with Win, and whenever the the Nazis were on screen, he's like bad guy, bad guy. And whenever he's all indie, he was like good guy, and it's just like, he just no, <laughs> instinctively naturally could, you can yeah could pick it up. It's interesting. Well, I guess some of the reasons Spielberg wanted to do a third one was some of the criticism over Temple of Doom. He kind of wanted to make up for a little bit or <clears> not leave the character on that note. And I, like, I could see why like, then that's why you'd go back to Nazis because it's like, no, like no one's going to be mad about Indiana Jones killing Nazis. When oh, it's so, like, sorry. I had Raiders in my head again. I'm like, those are Nazis. No, you're right. Temple of Doom is, is just like Temple of Doom is, uh, uh culturally insensitive at best yeah. <laughs> uh flat out racist <laughs> yeah um I, it, and fair. famously like racist at the time because india wouldn't let him film there after they read the script and they're like no <laughs> you're not doing this yeah uh, for reference we have a, well, a really good friend who uh, did a speech in his senior year of high school that specifically talks about the racial implications of <laughs> uh, uh the indian cult that's that's uh, putting children into slave labor so yeah it was a <laughs> eye-opening <laughs> maybe uh, problematic to uh go to another country and be like okay we're gonna portray your country as, as <laughs> having child show. slave labor and <laughs> believing in uh like voodoo magic and so yeah like uh maybe going into another culture and doing that is not not the best look <laughs> so um this takes place in 1938 and i think raiders takes place in 1936 i do not remember what year uh temple of doom takes place temple of doom's like 34 30 it's before raiders 35 they wanted they wanted to not have to explain what happened to marion and have uh okay because i've always Um, the timelines have always been confusing i always thought this was the latest in the trilogy of the 19 kind of the 1930s window yeah um Okay, that 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 makes sense. But then it, it introduced the questions like, "What happened to Short Round?" <laughs> oh, he sold him into child child slave labor. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Ah, oh, that's a good idea." <laughs> I guess. Um, 
just uh, short round comeback for the new one. I thought I heard that. Dial of Destiny. Um, ooh, I don't know. I've I've tried to avoid as as much as I as much as possible. Yeah, as I, I could. I, yeah, I, I generally have two. I, I I haven't really watched the trailer all the way through, other than I saw. Um, I saw a full commercial for it last night, and it yeah, was... no, it's going to be unavoidable as it gets closer. <laughs> but there was there's a lot of de aging stuff in the commercial. That was the only thing that got yeah, me. I, was... I, that shocked me of like how much they're doing. I was like, but I, I kind of get why, uh, <laughs> and I'd rather they do that. Why Harrison Ford is still like alive, at least alive to play the character, and then. <laughs> So I don't think um, I don't think short round comes back. I thought he did for sure. Anyway, um, yeah, I I uh, I kind of wait. Well, whatever it doesn't doesn't matter what I wanted. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's this is a good lesson in. Uh, so this movie, there's a lot of mo- lot more humor than in Raiders. It gets a little <laughs> more slapsticky. The dialogue, um, I think I only listened to a tiny bit because I didn't want to it. To fresh in my brain, but the uh, James Bonding doing the Indiana Jonesing. I tried to stay downwind of it as much. But as I, I listened before. to a yeah. tiny bit of the beginning, and they talk about how like at times this is like a screwball comedy. Um, I was like, yeah, it really is with some of the dialogue uh, that just sort of like back and forth uh, bantering, and that stuff is what. So I get why this is some people's favorite because if that stuff is what you're looking for then it's really going to work well. And that's not quite what I'm looking for. I want more Raiders. And it's why I think Crystal Skull is, I finally figured it out on this viewing of it recently. I'm like, oh, they're going, I'm wanting them to do the Raiders tone and they're trying to go Last Crusade tone. And that's why that's kind of clicked with me of like, oh, I still have like Raiders in my head as the perfect indie template. And they're looking at like, oh, people love Last Crusade. Let's get a little more of that uh, punchy dialogue in here. You think it's you think it's an issue of them just missing the mark on why people maybe liked Raiders or excuse me, oh, liked uh, Last Crusade. I, I think it's me missing them. I think it's me, I think it's a, a problem of me of wanting them to make the movie for me of what I want and not recognizing like, oh, this is for like a vast audience who. Like, right, some people, Last Crusade is their favorite because it's funny. I, it's, yeah, fair. I, I, I've i never, but I, I guess to your point, my I've never had that perspective of I enjoy it. I like the humor in it. I, I agree with you. There's times where it's it's a little, it's, it's maybe one notch too high than, you know, or the setting is one notch too high. <laughs> but I don't think they do a... I'm not coming to an Indiana Jones movie for that, I guess. Um, you know, and yeah. there, there, there's humor yeah. even in Raiders that that lands pretty well, and, and Raiders and Last Crusade feels like they extrapolate off some of those that that, that same humor. Uh, case in point, the fight with Indy and Marion at the end of Raiders, or uh, where they're trying to get onto that that German uh, airplane that's going to take the Ark of the Covenant uh, back to Germany. <laughs> And Indy gets into a, or he goes to get into a fight with the the big bald guy who's also in a Bond movie. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he gets one punch in the face and it drops him. And the humor there is that Indy's not as tough as he thinks he is sometimes. And I, there's just stuff like that where it feels like Last Crusade takes that same level of humor. It does go a little further than it probably should, but 
I think they missed the mark then. If it, I haven't seen Crystal Skull in a long time, but if, if that's what they're they thought they should go for, it, I, I do think that's a mistake. I, I think there's just more of that stuff in there that I, I was like, oh, why are like why are they doing this in an indie movie? And then what like this time I watched, it, I was like, oh, that's why because they already did it in an indie movie that everyone loves. So yeah, it's not out of place for an Indiana Jones movie. It's just not working as well because no. it's not Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Um, it's Harrison Ford and Shia LaBeouf, which oh, man, brutal. I that there, I think I'm I, I'm gonna enjoy the first half of that movie. I remember liking all the stuff when they're in the U.S. Well, and then when they go abroad, it to me it fell apart. Um, yeah, um, but it'll I, be I interesting when we talk about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to step on it too much, but talking about the pacing that doesn't have the head the. That doesn't have the pacing that this does where this just you're like halfway through and it's like, holy shit, we're halfway through the movie. It's in like nonstop action of like, all right, we got the exposition dump from Julian Glover in the uh, <laughs> in his apartment. But like it never I, I don't know. I can't I can't tell because I love Indiana Jones so much. And so like when we go to Crystal Skulls, like some of my defense and I have plenty of criticisms, but I always come back to kind of defending that movie. But I realize like my defense is. Yeah, but Indiana Jones is in the movie, so <laughs> you had a good, good point. Huh? You had a good point. I'm not sure if it was on an episode or or not, but it was a it was a few months ago. I think I was complaining about they're making another Indiana Jones movie, and you had a really good point, which is just be happy we're getting an Indiana Jones movie, and Harrison Ford is still alive to be in it, and we we get that. That's still going to be better quality <laughs> than probably a lot of stuff that's coming. So then what? It's, it's yeah. a fair point. Or, it's, it's a fair point. We're not getting an AI generated <laughs> Harrison <Yeah>. Ford <clears throat> CGI thing that's going to be. That's um, that's that's a very good point. That, that that's what I don't look for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're getting. There's going to be something that happens that's a complete disaster. I feel like that if people are like, okay, we have we can't do this anymore. <laughs> do you think the or Al Pacino like, movie, this doesn't work? The Al Pacino movie Simone is going to become real. And we're gonna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have digitals only. We can only, we can only dream. Um, <laughs> Al Pacino could see into the future. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, so the exposition scene in this. So for me, the movie doesn't slow down in that scene because it's Indiana Jones like reading this like artifact and then talking about the Holy Grail. So it's like okay, they're doing the like the scene of. Um, from the Ark of the Covenant that I there's, love. There's, there's two guys, our military guys come in to, yeah. to I love. recruit they're doing, they're, Indy. They're doing that scene and it's, um, and I love, it's like, oh, it's the call to adventure, but Indy is like, no, that's not, that's not for me. And then it turns out like, oh, he's got to go after his dad. And like, so the, the movie doesn't slow down for me. Like, but for someone who doesn't just blindly love Indiana Jones, I'd be like, oh, I could see someone being like, roll their <clears> eyes <throat> at this scene of all right, here's the exposition. I get it. Um, and so I don't know if it's the movies doing it so well or if it's just my love and affection for the character in movies blinds me to little flaws like that. Uh, it's tough to say. I personally was... It, it had been a while since I've seen, I'd seen Last Crusade. But again, like I mentioned earlier, in my head, this was a three-hour movie because of watching it on on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cable tv as a kid but i i was impressed with how well paced it was and the again i'll go back to what I, what I said earlier spielberg to me is very efficient and and with his exposition 
is this is also something they just don't do in movies anymore but they give you enough to understand stakes where what the characters motivations are and where they're going and then they just get you there they don't feel like they need to use these buffer scenes like like you said um i'm gonna probably phrase this wrong but there's not really any waste or gaps between scenes they just get you from action piece to action piece and and that that surprised me is i didn't remember this as being so much of an action movie as like an intellectual thriller but really it's besides the the scenes where uh indies with donovan and getting the whole uh backdrop of the movie it's there's pretty consistent action pacing all the way through this and i i I think it's like you said people could roll their eyes but raiders to me when i watched it raiders was the same thing uh it has really good pacing the slowest part is that 20 about 10 or 20 minutes in where indy's getting primed for what the mission's going to be but then after that it really never slows down um the venice stuff is a little slow for me at times at certain points but mostly it just just moves so i i i think hmm. I, modern movies today like uh i'll pick on i really like it but i'll pick on top gun is like they're gonna give you 10 or 15 extra minutes to lay out more emotional stakes and more all this other stuff that you don't really need in a movie like that to to it, it, like top gun didn't need to be as long as it is because, but they try and inject all this emotion into it and have to put scenes around it spielberg's art here is he's able to deliver those same emotions and impacts while moving the whole plot along it's not it's not a tangent or kind of a side thing that would that's my takeaway spielberg just really knows how to how to pace a movie jaws is a great example of pacing yeah and so many spielberg imagine that really good (laughs) right (laughs) well in so many conversations between um indy and henry senior are taking place during like critical tense scenes like they're tied up together um they're escaping like they're being chased by nazis and escaping and like they have the one scene on the blimp at like the table together where it does slow down a bit so you get and they actually can get into it but it's like they give them like two minutes to do that and it's like right back to it's it's like oh they're turning us around it's like being on like a roller coaster or going through like a fun house and and i was thinking exactly what you just said on the zeppelin when they're when they're having their dialogue together, it's right. It's two or three minutes, but it's two or three minutes while they're on the way to the next big action sequence, which is they're turning the, the Zeppelin around yeah, to go back to Germany. Yeah. So it, he, he uses those windows to me really, really well to build the characters while he's moving the, the movie along. And it doesn't, he doesn't need a lot of time to do that. And, I, and I, again, I'll go back to, I think it's also that the, he's got, you know Connery, who's you know at the getting towards the tail end of a forty-year career at that point, and then you've got um, your thirty-year career at that point, and Ford, who's been acting for twenty-something years, and Spielberg's been directing for twenty years at that point. So you've everybody's sort of at the peak to me of their game in this movie, and it's everything just clicks. Uh, so I, I don't think you're, I don't. If anybody wants to roll their eyes at him, I'll I'll punch him in the face. <laughs> Fair. All right. I'll send I'll send him your way. Good. <laughs> Um, so speaking of Spielberg, um, being on the top of his game, uh, about making movies is hard. This is this is the same year as uh, always. So you know, <laughs> sometimes you swing and miss. 
I what is that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> there, it's not. It's not great. Um, it is a. Oh is, man, is that, is that one of his? Richard Dreyfus, John Goodman, Holly Hunter. Um, I believe Richard Dreyfus is a pilot who passes away, and he has to watch his girlfriend. Like try to move on and like date other people. It's it's weird and not that good. Is it um, a Spielberg directed movie? It is. I have never heard of this because it's yeah yeah it's not it's not great. And fortunately, uh, Last Crusade came out the same year, so kind of it. Uh, well, they really overshadowed it. Over yeah, <laughs> overwhelms of. I mean, uh, something I, he does have hits, not hit, being great. He does have hits and misses. I'd say the '80s were his probably his zenith, like '75 to '90 were probably his zenith as a director. Um, I know that Jurassic Park comes after this, but I, I think Spielberg made more memorable, unique content um, maybe before that. Um, yeah, and then he had some high water marks in the '90s with you know Saving Private Ryan and, and um, Schindler's List, but. This does feel Errors, like, but he always there's always one in there. Like, all right, he has Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, ET. Yeah, but right in the middle of that is 1941. <laughs> so, oh yeah, that's right. It, and he, he directed like, that, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you could take 1941 out, that is like possibly the greatest run of like commercially successful movies ever. But yeah, yeah. You have 1941 in there. It's like, yeah, like a famous disaster. Um, I did enjoy that. I do enjoy that movie. There, there's, to me, some funny stuff. In there. John Belushi being kind of one of them. Yeah, and then it's, I don't know. He's got interesting little like windows of, but there's always like something in there that's maybe not. Uh, but I forget. I forget he did that. Good. I always forget that he did that. And I, yeah. When I look at a lot of his, probably say post two thousand movies, there's just not a lot that resonates with me. Um, it's almost like he he, from for from a relevant standpoint, uh, he passed he passed where where my my head was at. I, I they're not ones I watch as much, but like I mean, post two thousand is still AI, which I like. Um. I've never Minority Report. My, I, I, yeah, Minority Report's the exception to me. Um, is good. I really love Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I forgot he did. Okay, that's good too. I uh, and then, that. then Munich is two thousand five. Yeah, that was all right. Okay, I, I mean, I enjoy that, but yeah, it's not, it's not like a rewatchable. Yeah, it's just one, really I would sad. Say. Um, <laughs> for good uh, reason. I'd it's really say sad. it's still a good movie. Um, but then Crystal Skull, which I mean, I guess we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. <laughs> um. Then he does the kind of CG adventures of Tintin, which I like, but I was a little underwhelmed with. I just thought Spielberg doing Tintin, I was expecting, I don't know, a little more. Um, but then he gets into like historical stuff as like Warhorse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, um, which all fine good movies, but not. He's just not like, getting back to those heights. Iconic. Of... Yeah, yeah. Not like a Saving Private Ryan. Like people still talk about 20 years later kind of thing. Um, well, and I, I, you know what? I, I should also discount what I've said because I, I, I forgot about this, but this is also around the time 
in the early 2000s where he stepped away from movies a little bit and he was doing a lot of i think he's doing a lot of tv with hbo he was doing band of brothers and then i think oh, in the around late, that yeah yeah and i think in the late 90s he and tom hanks did from from the earth to the moon which is it was like a limited series run on hbo about the apollo series apollo missions okay. so I, I, he, he he is doing other stuff that's noteworthy i'm probably not giving him enough credit but I guess when I look at the 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 last, you know, stuff that that I've seen, like I never saw War Horse. I didn't see Lincoln. Um, I like, didn't. I didn't particularly like Bridge of Spies. Oh, really? Know? I enjoyed Bridge of Spies, but I, like I, I War Horse was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, okay, I enjoyed, it. and I thought Lincoln was very good, but it's also it's like it's also Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> so it's <laughs> well, he's making like very good like historical dramas. And so it's like, well, yeah, it's not, it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, like does that just like we're talking I, about like moving set piece to set or Last Crusade, like moving set piece to set piece of big fun action sequences and like it's just a very different point in his career of yeah of what he's. That's a. I, I should probably caveat maybe 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 it's just the phase of his career that I think I, you're right. He's making he's making earnest good historical that's yeah that's a good way to describe they're they're just good movies but not these like high highs of audience pleasing he he i just think he he captured something in the 80s with the zeitgeist to me or he made the zeitgeist frankly uh in some ways where he it's almost like he was tapping into childhood stuff more when he was younger and obviously when he's younger in his career and I think that comes out in E.T. It comes out a little bit in the adventure stuff with Indiana Jones. It comes out with him producing stuff like the Goonies. Um, I I kind of miss that era of Spielberg's filmmaking. Yeah. Well, it's I wonder not if serious, maybe. But yeah, but I wonder if at that time he's inspired by he's like, I want to make like I want to make a Bond movie. I, I love it. I'm like, so he ends up making three Indiana Jones movies in the 80s. Which probably have surpassed but, the Bond movies in terms of relevance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> popularity. Uh, but now, people making movies are like, I want to make an Indiana Jones movie. Like that's like that's what I loved as a kid. I'm inspired by these all these things Spielberg did. And Steven Spielberg is like, well, I already made a bunch of Steven Spielberg movies. I don't like. <laughs> I'm not interested in doing that again. I already did that. I want to. Yeah. Do. Like I like I'm following what I'm interested in, and I'm going to these things where he's probably not in touch with like a more younger is like guys kind of thing. He set that like guys, but it's kind of like well, it, I've done it. Age out of it, yeah, and, yeah. And he's, he's like, he's, I don't. Want well, it's like him doing like the West Side Story, yeah. Remake is like, which oh, like I want to do a big like musical. It's like well, nobody really wants that in 2022, <laughs> like. That's just it, not yeah. where movies are, movie fan. It's like so you're making stuff for a much older audience. That's probably not going to make this a huge box office thing. But you're Steven Spielberg, so like, yeah, go for you can, it. We'll, you'll, you will get it made one way or another. It's just don't set your um, expectations high. <laughs> like you're still following your passions and interests, and those aren't quite maybe lining up with no, being I mean, a, a massive hit like this yeah. movie. He's in his seventies now. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, he, which is crazy. He, it is crazy to think about. We've 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 kind of had him in our lives since we've grown up, and uh, you're right. Like he he's probably aged out of. I don't want to say relevance, but his 
his interests are not what the zeitgeist is today. Unfortunately, yeah, he's he seems to either be looking backwards or looking forwards at times where he's either looking like like he did like the Fablemans or like West Side Story or like the Post or Bridge of Spies where he's looking at a different like at like the fifties and pulling yeah. like inspiration. Or he's looking forward and he's doing like all CG pushing technology like ready player one or like like oh I what can we do with this new technology that people have come up with? What can I play with in this? So that that the, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Hmm. That's it. Well, that that hits on a really important, well, not important, but it's 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 you know, from my opinion of this movie, one thing that stood out to me, and, and one thing I really you you mentioned a lot about the <laughs> the rear projection all the way through this, and how it's like very, uh, at times it's very obvious that you know they're on a set, but there's a lot of practical effects, and I remember I had. As a kid, I think it was an I think ILM did the special effects for this. Um, I got I've got to look, but I had a bunch of books as, as, a kid, as a kid. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think with Lucas <laughs> being a yeah. producer, it's like there's a pretty good chance ILM's doing the special effects. But um, I had a bunch of uh, books as a kid about the special effects. It was in the books were mostly like about ILM or movies that kind of like star wars that came along really before computer generated effects existed and i what i really liked about this and what stood out to me and again we'll talk about some of this in the crystal skull but i really enjoyed the practical effects in this and that you're seeing miniatures and you're seeing stuntmen and you're you're not getting computer generated scene and i think i miss that in movies and to your point about spielberg making ready player one I would love to see a adventure movie from Spielberg again that is just practical. Like he he could do that. I feel like today where if you could, he you could make a practical effects movie, swing yeah. his weight around. Of, yeah, and I, and I, I miss that stuff because there's an artistry in those miniatures and doing and like that. I do miss and and like and because of like production schedules and things like I think we've hit a point where like CG movies could be so much better, but there are. <clears throat> for budget constraints they're like pushing to like just make it good enough and so like because like we don't we don't want to spend like we want to save like six months and sit and save 20 million dollars by just having like the cg be just good enough whereas like with the practical stuff you can't do that really like you gotta you either get it or as you good don't. as you can. Yeah, and it's either um, going to work or not work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, which, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say some of the rare projection stuff in this. Oh, it is bad. It, <laughs> it felt like a, ch but like to the point where it felt like a choice at times. Of like, I think like they're choosing to have it look that way. To the, I, I don't know if they're trying to make it look like a 30s 40s era film they're doing with like rare projection like that because there are times it's like I, with who they have working on this and the budget is like i think they could make that look better like so when they're in donovan's apartment at the beginning or they're in the apartment in venice outside the window looks extremely fake i assume it's like a matte painting or something and then with lights coming in it's supposed to replicate daylight 
but it like it's like clearly looks like this is on a set and that's not like the real world outside that window and i mean it's 1989 like if they want that I, they can make that look better and different if they want if they if they're wanting to. So I, I I think there's an aesthetic choice on some of these things. Of I don't know if it's try to call back to the serials that this that inspired Indiana Jones or what, um, or if it's just like oh like we're trying to save a little money and shooting like not shoot everything on location like if it's. A, something with that but i don't know i I was very curious because there are times that it's obviously rare project like when they're in the plane some of the plane dogfight stuff it's like well that's rare projection of like harrison ford and sean connery is like but it looks pretty good and i think like they're doing this as best they can like that you we're not that's where, we're yeah, not that's having harrison ford and sean connery fly a plane together and <laughs> and try to film it like like this is how movies are made. Like it's not going to be seamless, uh, especially at the time. Probably looked fantastic. Now, like seeing things in HD, um, a little different. And I don't know. I, part, maybe part of what was throwing me was I was streaming this off Disney Plus on like an HD TV, and I've seen it so many times on TV. Or from just like a DVD over like probably more analog cables, that it's probably like a disconnect in my brain over how I think this movie looks. I get the same thing with Star Wars at times too. Of I watch these look kind of shitty because that's the best quality I could watch it in. Uh, and yeah. now that it looks, now that it's like HD and I can see these things, like I'm not sure what is intentional or what I'm not sure if this is how it looked when they made it on film and what's been cleaned up like digitally, but maybe it's not like, is this, this is how it looks compressing this to a digital thing. Like, like, maybe, maybe, like a film thing or like, yeah. So yeah. I, I, the, the visuals, I am always hesitant to make conclusive determinations about because of my experience watching like low grade copies of it and then knowing now, okay, well I'm streaming this, but it's like a high HD stream, but also they're taking the film and converting it to a digital process. And that's going to do certain things to it. And it's, I don't, um, I'd be curious to see at some point, see this on like 4k with a good conversion that people kind of say, yeah, that's what, that's what it looked like. Yeah, I'm going way I, off topic now. No, it's a good point, and I think you're right. There's there's a level of filmmaking in this time time period where they didn't HD just didn't exist, right? It was just, whatever you shot was what you shot, and I think there was a little bit of you could cheat it with the quality of film stock yeah. and, and and how it was going to be projected and in TV. I mean, it is funny to me to what you said when we look back on watching this on like square TVs as a kid, how much quality <laughs> was 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 forsaken for just making it work on how what tv technology was how shitty that quality was back, back in the it's, 80s it's wild to watch stuff like that and now it's it's like oh my god like how did like so you could how did you fall could in love with these it. things i'm like yeah we had, I, think, I think it's just by lack of options that's what we had but uh but no i you're not wrong i i i think that there was um 
there's a lot that was like, I remember when I went and watched um, Halloween on original Halloween on, on the big screen last year. And um, there were definitely parts where, or, or actually it's earlier this year um, parts where you're like, yeah, this looks kind of low budget shitty, but it's like, you know, when you watch it on TV, it just doesn't, you don't see these things as much or yeah, you, the scale isn't there. So you don't have the appreciation that it's probably not. Yeah. Like there are some good. genres that the VHS era was very friendly to because yeah. it left your brain to kind of fill in some gaps. And that I, I, you couldn't quite, yeah, that would that, be well, And I, I, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see this, that I didn't realize that this, this is how it maybe is done, but um, I was reading an article about uh the thing um last night and it was specifically how um dean cundy got brought or consulted with carpenter to come back and, and do the 4k restoration for the the thing oh wow and uh, that was interesting because he he got to go back and basically we look at the color palette we look at how they you know basically the i don't know what the word is the color science behind the movie how they aesthetically wanted to have certain things look or keep in and I, I it was pleasantly surprising to know that at least some of these things can be restored to to or brought to a 4k level and it's going to have the vision of the original person in, involved rather than it just being what it kind of feels like right now which is just some guy in a in a in a closet working on this for a <laughs> studio to to make something but no i think you're right it, again the practical effects are, are a big part of this for me and i yeah when i think about the commercial for the new indie movie i feel like every shot i saw was cgi because it's this shot of him jumping out of a plane that looks like it's it's about to crash and that looks fake as shit and then it looks and then uh there's a scene of him riding a motorcycle through a crowded parade what looks like like a ticker tape parade in new york which is obviously all digital. And I, I think about that and I look at this and the tank thing, the tank thing, granted, when it hits the bottom, it looks pretty fake. Yeah. <laughs> when it falls yeah, to yeah. the bottom of that valley, it looks pretty fake. <laughs> but I, I feel like everything up to that point feels practical. It feels like Harrison Ford's on the tank, right? About to go over the edge of a cliff. And I, we, we lose something, I think, with, with, with that well, going away. Even if it doesn't look as good or as big, I would rather have practical effects. When you love these movies and watch them over and over, there you get scenes like, how did they do that? And it's a fun discovery of, okay, like they like carved part of a hillside out so they could get the tank positioned right. And a guy really, but then that stuntman really jumps off a horse 18 yep. feet onto a tank. Like a person really does it. It's like, but here's like all like the safety things they had to do, the concerns of doing it, the way you have to like line stuff up and then how you like match cut to then have it look like Harrison Ford to sell that to the audience. And it's that stuff's like interesting and you, there's stuff to learn about as you go deep when it's just, when you watch like a making of, and it's a guy at a computer being like, okay, well here's what I like we took and we digitally did this. And like, well, yeah, that requires a lot of impressive like talent but it's not the most interesting thing to learn about. I, I mean, I guess if I guess for some people it probably is. To me, like the practical stuff is so much more interesting to learn about than, well, we just did on um, the CG on the computer. Now, uh, yeah, that stuff's hard. It's not just like you click a button on a computer and it does it. But it doesn't 
sparked my imagination the way seeing the practical stuff being done does uh, yeah case case in point i think it was i think it's the beginning of octopussy where uh roger moore is setting a, a bomb he's supposed to blow up like a prototype plane or something and he he disguises himself as General Toro, and then he goes, "Oh, you're a Toro too." <laughs> uh, but it, it, the scene ends with him escaping, and then he's supposed to fly this tiny jet through <laughs> this hangar, and the missiles that are chasing him uh, collide with with what his actual target was, and he ends up, you know, completing the mission. Well, what's crazy is when they shoot shoot that. There's a scene where it looks like the 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 plane shoots out of this hangar. And it looks like they actually pulled off a stunt of flying this airplane through and they're closing a door and they just barely managed to uh, to make it make it uh, clear the door right before it shuts and the missiles missiles detonate. Well, when they shot it, I think they did fly the plane through it very like a completely open hangar, but they used a um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, special effects where they they, they just basically put a fake door in front of where the camera was and where it was shooting and made yeah, it a practical just, effect. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like an, uh, an optical illusion of how they, how they shoot it. And yeah. I, those are always the coolest to me. Yeah. And it's like, that's a brilliant way off. for, for how you pull off a really interesting and cool stunt. I, that to me is more interesting than, yeah, we put Harrison Ford on a green screen for three months we put him in a bodysuit and we shot a bunch of stuff around him where he doesn't know where the hell he is. And we, we were just constructing. Yeah. It. I, I just, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm sure I'm like, breaking. New yeah. Ground that, it's a different whining. kind of artistry. It is, but just doesn't excite me. There's not, a, there's not a sense of craft of it uh, to me of that. maybe, and then that's not, not to try and do disservice I, to people who do CGI. I think, I think to me, the CGI stuff feels like, Versus the practical is the practical in makes sparks my imagination of like with enough time and effort, I could go out in like my backyard and do that. And the CGI stuff is like, well, I'd have to go buy a bunch of equipment and learn a bunch about doing this and like go to school I, and learn. Right. Yeah. And it's, like, it's but where it's like, oh, if we go in the backyard, and like if you set this thing up, like the proper angles and stuff like you can make that happen and like. Yeah, and it's kind of excites me at a creative level, um, more so than I don't know. yeah. Cause I, I think it's like the CG stuff. It's like, well, I don't think I'm ever like artistically talented enough to where I could do that at a professional level. Where it's like some of the practical stuff. It's like, oh, like I think I too could do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, should we talk yeah. about the first scene of the movie? <laughs> I don't. I, I we we were debating not going beat for beat on this because this movie is so <laughs> we're cool. We've already we're and almost an hour and a half into this, we've only talked about yeah. cast and the crew and and the effects. But yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I, I I do I think to your point, I would like to talk about the opening with with the the, the time the time hop back into was it nineteen ten? Yes, yeah, uh, twelve. Nineteen twelve. Okay. So, <laughs> here's the problem: why this is going to take so long. I want to talk about. All the stuff of like River Phoenix, the choices they make to show young Indy and give the backstory on some things. Um, something crazy. But then I also want to talk about. So how did uh, Henry Jones Sr. end up raising 
a son on his own in 1912 Utah. That these guys are obviously not Mormon or Scottish or whatever. Yeah, is he like working at like BYU or like? That's pro. That's a pretty good guess, actually. I would say. (laughs) I think. um, Uh, I like. I would like. I didn't think about this until until we started talking about it. But they they go back on you know Indy hates snakes, and and they introduce that with why he doesn't like snakes because of the um uh the the carnival train that he's on at the beginning but then henry they they tell us later on doesn't like rats and so i like to think that there was some adventure that he had <laughs> when he was like 13. <laughs> when he was yeah when he was 13 that that uh um he doesn't like rats because of that i think that would be that would be a fun touch so if we got like a 1882 flashback of oh uh, I'm here Henry for it. Jones senior falling into a thing of rats in like Scotland somewhere. Junior. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would like that. I think that would be, that would be a fun or interesting, interesting aside for this, but uh, it, it, it does feel like a weird place to have him grow up. I, I don't, I'm, I'm curious like what the choice was for, for why Indiana uh, grows up in um, uh, uh, Utah. So, I, and it would have been after this they do the young indiana jones series um and he kind of and so i don't know how much like <laughs> that is canon that's like relevant at this time or that but they he kind of grows up like all over the world is what they they show but like they have a home in new jersey when he's like a little kid but then kind of like travel the world and then i guess after his mom dies they end up in Utah. Um, but then he quickly kind of like at like 16 or something, like leaves home and it is just like traveling the world on his own. But um, so I, I don't know how long a time in his life is this run in Utah. Okay. Um, but again, I don't know when they're filming this, how much of that's being informed of those things. So I think those things are like later on, but, um, but knowing George Lucas, it could all, <laughs> It could all have been in there. So, did you like um, the idea that that you forty know, percent of Indiana's personality traits and characteristics all come from a two hour window <laughs> in his life from uh, this one time? Of, <laughs> he falls into snakes, hits snakes, falls into get, a thing with a whip, always carries a whip, loves whips, gets <laughs> yeah. a hat, uh, becomes always his wears a hat forever. <laughs> Is uh, consumed with finding this like one cross. <laughs> apparently for like 30 years um and and uh what was the other thing um uh uh he gets his 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 defining facial feature scar yes and and his an important moment he needs to talk to his dad his dad's too busy researching the grail now has issues with the holy grail (laughs) (laughs) that's the that's i know i gave a lot of credit to spielberg that's probably one weak point i'm glad they don't dwell on it too much but um it is pretty heavy-handed that this one day in his life basically sets the course of his life yeah it's a little it's a little like too cute is how i always describe it of we're getting every reference point for the character of um yeah and i didn't even think about it from your point of in his life this is like two hours. Like, yeah, it's like uh, he escapes. He, it's a really he, formative two hours. 
I'm trying to think of my own life. I don't think there's ever a, a window of two hours where that much important stuff happened. Maybe that's team. what I'm missing in my life. I didn't have those two hours to make me make me the man I could have been. And Sean Connery. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do like River Phoenix in this, though. Um, he, he he had to be playing down in age, though, right? I think I assume. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is is interesting. He talked about he didn't study the previous movies um, to mimic Harrison Ford or to mimic Indiana Jones that he had worked with Harrison Ford on, on Mosquito Coast. Okay. And that he was using his knowledge of Harrison Ford to inform how he played the character, trying to like mimic things of Harrison Ford as opposed to Indiana Jones. Um, so yeah, River Phoenix was born in 1970. So he's like 18, he's 19, 18, 19. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's not, makes sense. Uh, he's not too far at, at a, at a range. Okay. Um, um i i, yeah, I, I like think i like this opening he i think he does a great job playing yeah he's young indie. very and it, it does introduce that tone the movie's gonna go for um being a little more humor a little slapstick um you look at <laughs> so the guy his name is just fedora in the credits that are kind of archaeologist <laughs> who gives i think his name's john young to indy yeah his little group Richard young. of yeah. okay his little group of people <laughs> When you compare them to the people like working with Indy at the start of Raiders, who are like trying to go into the temple, who are like conniving, very serious or scared, or like Richard Young is like is working with the Three Stooges, like oh yeah, like I told, I think I told you, it it feels as if he just took sympathy on like three or four guys and just said, Hey, you're <laughs> never going to make it in life. I'm going to make, I'm going to form a gang and you can be a part of it just to, <laughs> just to give you some sort of better path. It's, it's such a strange choice all the way through. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't. And it's your point. One of the guys, uh, it, they play it slapsticky, but then one of the guys pulls a knife out to try and stab it. Yeah. They're like the wrestling train. on top of a train. It's like, you're really close to murdering a child. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's odd. It's very odd. Like I get he like stole something, and so I. I but no, like let's slow it down a minute. I um I I do like. I think besides the slapstick, I, Fedora is a fun character, um, and it, it is yeah. like a interesting template that Indy kind of models himself off of that rather than Henry, um, and you can kind of see why I think all throughout this scene with um, the way Henry reacts. And then also, you know, Fedora always seems to be one step ahead of Indy, which is, which is cool. Yeah. It's funny to see that the formative moment of like his, in the, like, I don't know, Raiders temple, we see like fully grown Indy and like, Oh, he's so cool. And then to, to see like, Oh, like he's just borrowing these things from when he was like 13 that he thought was cool <laughs> and informing them into his adult personality, which is um, probably a pretty universal thing actually. Right. For, it's, for, for yeah. It's just, but it's like, Oh, it just kind of, I mean, humanizes someone, but also, yeah, to your point, it's really universal of like, Oh, we're all like a product of where we came from and no one's, no one's that cool. Like <laughs> fair. Um, but yeah, I, I think I like, I know it is heavy handed, but I do like the setup and you and I both had this comment that it really has a great cut between the hat being 
put down on Indy's head and you see it's such a well executed time hop of it's a 20 or no it's like a 24 year jump or something like that and uh it's perfect it's so perfectly done because it allows you to one because you know the character but two it allows you to time hop that far into the future and i think it goes to 1936 or 19 19 maybe it is 1938 um and uh i can't remember it's that off the coast of spain or whatever but it it's such a perfect time hop of they put the hat onto River Phoenix's head and it bows down and then it comes back up as Harrison Ford. It's like, I can't yeah, think a of a better way to just do a 20 year time hop and not, not jar people, but they, they land it. And it's so, it's so well done. And it goes right back into actually picking up that same plot line. You know, that's why they're so brilliant about it. It's, it's not just the hat that's linking the scenes. It's it's the same cross he's going after the same like rich same bad guys yeah sense. yeah um, no it, yeah it's, it's, it's cool a perfect brilliant cut to me that just is in there there's one other in this movie too we'll talk about it probably a little later um, but it just it and they talk about the pacing you go from that like like a weaker movie would go from that scene to like India at the college. Yeah, this just keeps this is actually that cold open, and instead of like Bond going into M's office and getting like the mission, it's like oh the cold open's continuing, but we've moved we've jumped like twenty four years. Um, it's it's an awesome cool way to do it and like that and like really all the things you've hit on of like the touch points of of indie the tropes of the character of indie. Um, are speeding up into like, yeah, this is like the, the, the person you know. And I think I think it, it it's it speaks to the brilliance of um, Spielberg to 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 make that kind of that decision and that that cut. And it, you're right, it is like a Bond cold open. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> That's exactly what yeah. it is. Uh, Another one's uh, Raiders has the cold open, and, and where you you get introduced to Belloc, and then. Uh, does Temple of Doom? Temple of Doom has to have. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're the, in the uh, Club uh, Obi Wan. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Where we get Dan Aykroyd yeah. uh, playing British at the end of it. There you go. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I, I love the, the way they tee it up, and it, it's like it gives you just enough background about Indiana Jones that you like him even more, but you don't get bogged down in having to understand his history, and character motivations. You, you know it's it's like a little a beautiful little vignette into that guy's life and that and that's and, you don't need anything more than that and it's so like we, we already have the history of the first two movies but it, it so bridges the gap of and it's important because you're going to bring his father back here so it does pay off to see that relationship a tiny bit um but it feels so perfect of like this is who this boy like would become as a man yeah um uh, yeah, I, yeah yes yeah yeah this is a fun this is a fun brilliant cut um well, so what was the other cut that you mentioned i, I i'm i'm blanking the, on on what the other oh it's was. it's one of the funniest cuts in movie history to me um <laughs> where it's uh, it's indie uh and they're talking about like find marcus where he's like you won't oh. find him. He's got a two-day head start. Knows every language, every custom. He'll blend in, disappear. With luck, he's already got the grail. <laughs> and then it like cuts to him 
hey, does anyone speak English? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I forgot about that. Is it, that is a, a a really really well done cut, and I think it is the, just hilarious. And the the care it's just perfect. The camera pulls in on Indy delivering this intense monologue of what a badass like Marcus Brody is. <laughs> like you're never gonna find this guy. <laughs> like, and and well, then it cuts to like the Brody we know of. <laughs> and then after, well, it's funny because you don't really get much of Brody in the first in, in Raiders. Like, no, once he's pretty much he, gone he introduces indy to the the military intelligence mm-hmm. guys and then he's there with indy when they deliver the ark uh at the very end but you really he oh, doesn't say have he okay, he does much up. much presence uh and he's not in he's not in uh temple of doom so this one you, you get to kind of flesh him out a lot which is a lot of fun and then yeah he um what was it i think right at, at the end of that scene after he and sala uh uh, meet up and Sala kind of rescues him from himself uh <laughs> I think it cuts back to to Indy and Henry tied up and he goes it Henry's like did you mean what all that stuff you said about, about Marcus he goes no of course not he's like one time he got lost in his own music yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is it is I like again I I, I enjoy the way they play the humor in this I know it, you, yeah. you said to your point it's it, there's like time that's for the humor that works but... really well for me yeah, yeah when it, it gets a little like screwbally um is where I kind of like all right it's a notch higher than I want my Indiana Jones movie but it also it also is something that helps the pacing yes that it's it keeps it fast paced and moving um so I was like I don't I don't think you'd have to completely rework the movie if you took it out because like things at the castle where they're escaping, it's like, well, that's, what's making this fun and moving and engaging that the bantering back and forth or Sean kind of like, Oh, when I have to think, I just sit down and he like sits down and finds the secret passageway. And like, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, it's well, like, it, but it, you don't mind the coincidence of finding it because of the humor so like, you got to kind of keep that stuff in there. So yeah, I, it's like, I, I see what they're doing. Um, it just a tone, um, you know, that's a little not the perfect movie <laughs> if they were making it just for me, <laughs> which you know it's kind of a, kind of an ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a stretch. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, a big. I'm jumping all around. Um, a big part of this was the brotherhood that's protecting the grail you have comments <laughs> how do you, you and it's a great comment a great question how is how is this group funded oh, because... i want so yeah i have want so much information on them of like so they get told okay like the holy grail is real um no you can't go see it or drink from it you just have to spend your life like watching for people who are looking for it and if they get too close you kill them and it's like okay, well, what like what do they do for like a day job? What is like, and they all just like fully buy into this, and none of them seem um, upset that they uh, like one of them they they just get killed by Indy like left and right, yeah. And, yeah. And nobody seems <laughs> you have to be too fully willing to die it. at any moment. It's for it, the Grail. It is. <laughs> like, it, you're it, not going to get like anything out of this, or like I don't. Yeah, it's and like the pure faith and belief they have to have in the grail christianity like everything is like what like i think they take a little trip and go see that night and see the grail and like just to like confirm every now and then of like yeah like this is what you're fighting for all right (laughs) 
I I don't know. Like, yeah, I I wonder if they've ever seen it. But uh, is like the I, Vatican I, I would, funding this? Like, that's a good point. That's I love actually your, a really good point. I love your joke of like that's what the donations are for. <laughs> that's what you church. donate for when you go to church. You, like, you're doing it so that uh, the church can fight murderers <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and pay pay to have a hit squad. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that was the only thing I didn't. I, I have to go back and watch it again, but I didn't fully understand was. They're after Indy. They're trying to kill him. And then once Indy talks to him, the guy's like, yeah, we're good. All right. Yeah, your dad's here. It did like, still it, feel kind of like... Lets it, he just kind of lets it go. It's strange. When he's, yeah. When when he's like, I'm not looking for the grail. I'm looking for my dad. He's like, all right. Well, then we won't murder you. I won't murder <laughs> you. Sorry you know, about... I, I, I reveal that I, there's a secret police. No is- <laughs> yeah. And no issues with the three guy, three other guys that you did kill. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like uh, you blew two of my friends up on a boat that, that got smashed between two other boats. And uh, um, our mistake. Yeah. And I think you 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 also lit the the tap or not the tapestries. What is it? The You lit the tomb of the uh, two brothers on yeah, fire. Right. Stuff, or they actually they did. Well, also, and then Allison Duty's character, Elsa. She is looking for the Grail. They should still be trying to kill her. Yeah, I, it, it's weird that this group doesn't seem to be that sharp about what's really going on. Uh, I, I, he has the information of where his father is. And he's just like, oh, well, if you're looking for your father, he's in this castle in Austria. It, it seems like that mm-hmm. guy, those guys should be there attacking the Nazis, right? Like they should right. almost be trying to stop henry now, because i get maybe they don't have the resources to attack them there and that's no, why they're not and so they've got the power maybe of that's maybe that's his plan is we have to stop them too so i'm going to set this guy after them because all he wants is his dad so maybe he'll go in create some confusion kill some of them because like we can deal with him and his dad later but the nazis are kind of a problem it's like maybe we get to stir them up a little bit to flush out or maybe a, or flush out Donovan or something. Or like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm doing a lot of work here. <laughs> For... It's 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 not it's not a bad point. I, I I see what you're saying that the guy hatches a new plan almost in the moment when he realizes that Indy's not not after the Grail. Yeah, it, but it is something to keep the pacing going. That instead of having like, oh, we got to sit down with this guy and talk over like what we're all doing. Um. He's like, oh, if you're not looking for your grail, then like they go with God. Um, and here's where he is, and we can immediately cut to um the the, the castle. The no, I guess do they cut to the castle then, or do they Oh, they go back to the apartment. Back to the apartment, and that's and where that's where they have like the quickest like romantic hookup in, in history. Hookup, like yeah, like <laughs> I uh, but but I, it's where they've tossed the room and then yeah, um, it's always weird to me that that Elsa, I know she has music playing, but like never heard anybody tossing the room while she was taking well, a bath or something. It's no, strange. she was the one who tossed the rooms. Is how I always read that, oh. and she just did hers to throw him off the track of her being a Nazi agent. Well, it turns out I'm a real dumbass. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I've always, no, always that, that, read that, it. That, that makes sense. I, I but. It, I'm also the guy who thought they were on the Hindenburg for like the first like 15 years of my life watching this movie. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I, there could be things I'm pulling from being like nine years old. <laughs> you, you mean you don't understand the history of uh, Zeppelins from the 1930s? <laughs> it's a Apparently I did not. <laughs> it's disappointing. Um, In my brain, I always had them. They're on the Hindenburg and Indiana Jones is responsible for the Hindenburg blowing up. And then never oh. like 
made that leap in the first like seconds of seeing the Zeppelin in the movie and never questioned anything after that refuting that point <laughs> of yeah. just that lodged in my brain and just believed that forever. <laughs> I had it in my head too, that the Zeppelin blows up as well. But then I, I, I think I'm getting this confused with the end of, of the Rocketeer. Oh, the Rocketeer. Man, big run for Zeppelins. <laughs> big, yeah, Zeppelins huge in the, from 85 to 91. They were crushing it. But that, that ends with a Zeppelin, a Nazi-branded Zeppelin flying over and getting blown up at the very end. And so I, okay. I'm wondering if just with time, I've, and maybe you, you two have conflated those two things as being kind just, of the same. Yeah, I've just, you know, Zeppelins blow up. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then the Hindenburg itself did blow up. Uh, so for history <laughs> people, uh, I think this is, the Hindenburg blew up the year before this is supposed yeah, to take place. 37. In, 37 in New Jersey. That banned Zeppelin travel in the United States. And then I think not long after that, Europe uh, banned it as well because <laughs> uh, it was just too dangerous. So um, crazy anyway. banning something that's dangerous. What a what a uh, crazy banning, idea. <laughs> banning banning a big hydrogen bomb over the top of people's head. Weird, weird <laughs> choice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I on going through and watching it this time, I had it in my head again that it was going to blow up. And I'm like, no, no, no. They just they escape and get on the plane that's on the underbelly, and then that's yeah, that's the and then they're gone and never sequence. see it again. Yeah. So again, uh, a great scene of I love I love the thing of. You mentioned it too, Henry shooting <laughs> at the at the Messerschmitts with with the the tail gun, and he ends up shooting up their own tail, and it, and it just blames it on the 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 Luftwaffe guys actually shooting up their plane. <laughs> I love a, it. It's such a dad. It's such a dad move. Of I'm not telling my kid I fucked up. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be like serious. I'm trying to be respected here. Like. I, I, I thought I was going to lie, and I'm pretty sure I'll get away with it. That 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 got some huge laughs in in 1989 in the theater. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Which I also forget with the humor in 1989, probably. I mean, famously, like humor doesn't always age the greatest. Yeah. Um As things as time goes by, um, probably makes this a little less timeless than Raiders, but also probably made it play really well in the theater um i think that, so um a little probably a little fresher a little you haven't seen also i wonder how much and i, I think one of the the writers on here did a bunch of lethal weapons it's also coming after like you're doing a little more action comedy in the in the zeitgeist than uh, for 81 where that's probably more of an expectation uh of an that's audience. that's a really good point because uh, this is the same year, I think, is Lethal Weapon 2. 2? Yeah, that sounds right. Because um, that and, famous summer of 89. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jeff is, Bohm is, I think, who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, he also did The Phantom. <laughs> yes, which uh, we are doing sometime on this podcast. I can promise you that. <laughs> I mean, barring that, he's got a pretty pretty impressive writing Yeah, a career. bunch of Lethal Weapons, a bunch of... He did The now Lost Boys, Dead Zone. Yeah, um, as I say, a lot of movies we, uh, we love. <laughs> Uh, he did Funny Farm, which is not like the best seen that in forever. Chevy yeah. Chase movie, uh, but I do, I do enjoy it. Um, uh, just because I've, I've, um, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy that movie, uh, even though it's not, it's not the best. 
I think mostly because the mailman as a kid, I, I enjoyed it because of the <laughs> insane mailman. That's, it's like racing by their house every day. Uh, but I guess I was, I was in my research. I saw, I guess a lot of the dialogue, particularly between Indy and Henry, they brought in Tom Stoppard and he wrote a bunch of the dialogue as well, which uh, probably he explains did why a great job. extremely good. Yeah. Yeah. He, he killed it because I think all of their scenes together feel very impactful and uh i forgot george lucas was actually a writer on this as well um yeah probably more story yeah fair. than anything um although i i know the story from a lot of this is pretty collaborative with story. spielberg lucas the writers on it um of coming up with well there's a, a story uh, for there's a interesting crossover here that i wouldn't have expected uh with ricochet uh, one of the other writers, uh, Mino uh, Mejes, <laughs> Min- yeah, uh, he uh, was a writer on Ricochet. So. Although uh, famously, Lucas wanted to set this in like a Scottish castle with poltergeist <laughs> was his idea for the third movie, and uh, oh, with go- or with ghosts. And Spielberg was like, "Well, I already did like poltergeist. Um, don't really want to do, but like." Hey, George, why don't, you, why don't you shut the fuck up, George? It's a long history of, like, of I feel a like collaboration between them, of, like, Lucas having an idea and Spielberg using it, like, ah, I kind of already did something like that. Let's, let's find something else to do <laughs> when it's, like, <laughs> an obviously shitty George Lucas idea. That's exactly what I was going to say, was I think Lucas's career points more to him getting lucky than it just being pure talent. Not to be mean, but like I, I mean, I don't. Know, it's hard because I mean, he still did Star Wars, and <laughs> he did no, he did. He did I agree, he did Star Wars. But if I look at like his choices for, didn't he do Howard the Duck? Yeah, and like he did the 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 he. And I would I would blame not the newest Star Wars, but the the first three, the first trilogy of like one, two, three, really. I've just I, I've I've tried to watch them and they're just not that good and I I think he gets he gets on these weird kicks with like he get yeah he, he's he, a guy he tries to over he, yeah like he tries to overbuild the worlds in the later part of his career with like the Star Wars I'm like when they re-released the movies and he and he's like oh I added all this digital shit into it and it's like you didn't need to do that like just it, the the limitations of practical were important for him yeah because. He couldn't just do anything and everything. And so it helped kind of, I think, rein in that creativity of it's going to be, it's going to be focused. We actually have to go build this and yeah. do it. And whereas when it's like, when he's making like the prequels, it's like, well, basically a blank check to do whatever you want because Star it Wars movies. It doesn't yeah, really that. work. And That's it's like, the... okay, so I can do every idea in my head. Um, which I think also he is meant he was meant to be a story producer person more so than a writer director in my opinion and i think the writing directing stuff he can get bogged down in those details and it can take him a long time to find his way through it um whereas from like a story like with Indy as like a, a story producer guiding hands um is maybe a better suited why I think he turns over directing 
in um, the original ones to someone else. That's I don't true. think that's right where his passion always is. Um, I, I think so you're he, right. is, he can use that imagination to, for the world, and someone else can kind of guide the it vision. Um, through. Yeah, that's maybe a better. That's a good talent. I I, I, th- I think, and I'm not trying to say he's not talented or not capable, but I, I, it does feel like when he's given free reign, it doesn't always land the way it probably could have. Uh, and it's, I remember watching the uh, Lights and Magic documentary. It's on Disney Plus. It's, it's, I think it's like a five or six part uh, series on basically Lucas making Star Wars mm. and then the rise of, of how he built ILM up through and beyond Jurassic Park. And it's really good. But the first episode, I think, is um, all about how stressful making Star Wars was because he would basically go to the UK and they'd be doing all the practical filming and, and shooting um, the actors. And then he'd come back and he would just be stressed the fuck out over all the special effects because they were way behind. They were over budget. They had a lot of stuff they hadn't figured out yet. And it was almost like it was better because when he was gone, he had to delegate and leave that to other people to execute a vision. And I think that to your point, that it's exactly why that a lot of that works. And I forgot you're right, but he hands off um, Erwin Kirshner, I think directs empire. And I'm not sure who directs Jedi, but it wasn't, I don't think it was um, uh, Lucas. Um, But either Um, way, uh, you're you're, you're um, right. I'm blanking uh, on his name. I'll I'll look it up, but but you're right. Either, either way, it was a uh, he's got really good. So oh, Richard Marquand. Okay, and, and he does he does a great job with it. And I but I, I think yeah, yeah. um it, it's interesting that he has really good world building, interesting ideas. But when he's left to his own devices, I don't think you're right. Like you said, he can't he can't get out of his own way sometimes. He yeah, he's a great collaborator, but sometimes he need like. He needs someone else in there with him as well, with a powerful hand on it that to steer at the ship too, or I don't know. Just, Obviously, well, I, more I know talented Luke, and successful than I'll ever be. But yeah, I mean, he's only worth a couple of billion dollars mm-hmm. because of coming up with yeah. one really good idea. Um, I also remember too in the '90s. I feel like he was Lucas Arts was their their video game and I think uh, interactive platform. Oh, that's right, company. Yeah. And I, I think he pivots more toward to your point, like being a kind of a behind the scenes guy of steering ideas. Cause I remember that was around the time where they were doing PC games for like X-Wing fighter and he was doing, you know, yeah, like some pretty good Star stuff. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think uh talented guy, probably best, best served to not be behind the camera um, directing though. <laughs> um, all right. Mm. What have we not hit that we we need to hit on this? Because we I've, oh, we've like, been all over the place. I know, I know. I feel there's like a million more things I could talk about. Um, well, I'll tell you what. You think about that. I go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Ooh. I pause this. Okay. Ooh. And we are back. I apologize. I had to take an Allison duty. <laughs> uh, that's horrible. I was I was horrible. Apologies, apologies to Allison. To Allison. <laughs> um, you know it's funny. I was thinking about her as an actress, and I remember her a lot as in Beauty of Kill and this, but I don't remember seeing her much after this. And I wasn't sure if if 
something with like maybe she's kind of went back into being more of just sort of a British market focused actress or or, or what? I was gonna look her up because I I haven't I've really uh, <laughs> followed her career. She she was in Major League Two. I was about to say that's the one that jumped out at me. <laughs> yeah, it does not look like she had like a big run after quite after, after some pretty high highs. I uh, it, 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 pretty high highs. It looks like she took a pretty big hiatus, like after like the early nineties. She she wasn't doing much. I wonder if maybe she just had a family. Oh wow, she was in the RRR, the Indian action. Yeah, movie I just I just saw the... that. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that was her. Well, if this picture on Letterboxd is accurate, she looks fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> duty is crushing it. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be yeah, shocked if maybe, maybe she just it was she had a family because she she really doesn't do anything during the mid nineties. And I wonder if you know. And I I would be curious. She had better priorities, if, which makes right sense. If, if doing a. How much. Um... At that time, being in two big, pretty big hits, like a Bond movie and an Indiana Jones movie, how well that would kind of set you up. Uh, but I don't know if she was big enough to get any residual back-end stuff, much of it. or Because this is a movie that plays on TV a ton. So I don't know if she gets anything uh, from that. It's probably... I don't know. That's a good point. Um, it is, it's not funny, but it's like amazing how many... When you look at these British uh, actors and actresses that are that are in this, how many of them are all in just like World War Two Nazi focused yeah. movies? And it's it's uh, it's a little depressing. It's it's almost like, man, that 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 feels like you played a German once in your entire career. And now yeah. I, like that's just you're just typecast forever. Is that? I think they is... just made so many of those movies. Yeah, that they just it was just like you could have a career being just like the perpetual like and they did <laughs> yeah <laughs> german Long soldier bits, which is crazy no, it um, was always in demand for like german soldiers so if you had that look you were just going to be every like yeah. six months have something else to be cast in yeah uh, fair i uh i think you're right i um it is weird. Okay, well, all right. Uh, so duty was not up to much after, but that's okay. I, I I like her in this. I like her as Elsa. I'm not really sure at this time. No, she's like, great. Who else this. you could I, you could pull? Yeah, pull into and I always that. forget. Like I, she never um, feels like it feels like a completely different person than Jenny Flex in A View to a Kill, which I, I that's acting. You're supposed to do that, but it's impressive. Um, well. That, um, I agree. I agree. I uh, sorry, it's random. We didn't talk about her during the cast piece, but but uh, didn't want that one to like let that one go by. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, which blew my mind, um, and it's nerdy financial stuff, but the budget for this was apparently forty eight million, and it made almost half yeah. a billion at the box office. Which the box office doesn't surprise me, but the budget just feels crazy yeah, I, low for I what they feel could get like out of this. this was like a sweet spot for movies. Where you could have that massive box office and the production costs hadn't quite spiraled to where they'd be in like five, six, seven years to where you routinely are like a hundred million dollars or something. Like, it's just, yeah, like, because that just seems like such a no brainer of like green lighting, like basically $50 million to an Indiana Jones movie. It's like, that's like guaranteed money. That's like guaranteed profit. 
like, there's even no in, way even this in wasn't 89, making yeah. money. Yeah. I'm um I'm just looking at three hundred million dollars for the Dial of Destiny budget. Jeez. Yeah, I don't even understand. Like, <laughs> I I would wonder if that's even going to make it enough money back to really be like that. That probably means it has to do what at least a billion at the box office to really be worthwhile. Right. That's and that's what that's what I don't quite understand with these budgets of that you can't just be a hit. You have to be gigantic, like massive. But yeah. And I don't, but I don't know that those budgets. If that's, if the box office is as matters, or if so much is now factoring in that, like this is going to play on streaming and TV, and this is going to have long legs of revenue that we're not. Like I would have to think that's in the calculus a little more now than it would have been in like '89. Probably. I mean, the closest thing I could think of would be you have TV rights to your point on 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 putting it on TV and then maybe maybe VHS sales at that point were starting to be a bigger factor. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's just I was thinking about well, Avatar was up there. Too. Avatar 2 was up there in terms of just a cra- uh, crazy high budget. I'm going to look that right. up. Right. And, like, and like James Cameron, I think that was like close to 500 million. And James Cameron said, if this doesn't make two billion, it will be a, like a, it'll be a failure. And yeah, I mean, it did. So it did. Um, it 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 was two fifty. So Indiana Jones is, if I'm reading this right, I mean, um, that means that uh, or the production budget alone was two hundred fifty million for for Avatar two. But still, that's pretty high. It yeah, seems crazy I mean, that wild. Indiana Jones would be fifty million more than. Uh, yeah, and that, too. That just feels like they're setting themselves up for potential. That also feels like stuff that's you're not getting like a full accounting picture on probably, either probably potentially not. of what of what they're saying or but I don't like, I don't know all the de aging stuff you see them doing that I, for that's going to be pretty pretty pricey. It, it it is. I hope it's worth it. I think if you look at still shots of it, it doesn't hold up very well. But if you, I think when when you see it in motion, from what I saw from one of the commercials, it's not like too jarring. But yeah, they, do, so they like, do a pretty good job. Yeah, I, and but, I guess maybe this is like the a test case a little bit too of if and maybe that's kind of why they'd spend the money of like okay, what if can we do this and make Indiana Jones movies like can we make another one de-aging like with Harrison Ford in like in like five years there's another Indiana Jones movie that's just set in like 1940 in an adventure and it's just we have de-aged Harrison Ford technology now and can just do these and I don't know and then if we can do that does that mean you can do then what does that open up for Star Wars so I could see Disney this being a bit of a test run on what can we do with these franchises with this technology man that's like depressing as shit (laughs) yeah it's a little scary uh, mostly mostly because it's just you're gonna get derivatives of derivatives of derivatives it's just gonna be there's no like new culture it's just yeah it's just yeah and I, i think that's what i've that's what I've gotten tired of with the Marvel movies. And then we, we talk about it a lot, but because it's, it's, 
okay, they've built a universe and now they're just churning content. That's all they're trying to do is just capitalize on content. And it's not well not and getting anything different. I guess and to your old. point, you had in your notes of like, maybe it would have been nice if they had ended after this one because it ends so perfectly. Yeah, it is. It's they right they literally right off into the sunset and it's it's a happy ending. For, and for, we're hit a we're at a point now where it's like nothing that's successful will ever end. No. Like it's like what if like a Marvel it could have just ended after like the second end game and been like, okay, that's like That's it. Um Yeah, we're, yeah. we're done. Or we're, we're, we're done. That's the run and like thing. we'll yeah, we'll go back. Like it's not like phase five of the, all of this of like they're trying to make a like perpetual motion machine. It's like it's never like it's always gonna fall apart at some point. Um, well, create you can't keep that. You can't sustain that create create uh, creativity and that. Uh, what's the term? That that interest or appeal, without you know, it's at some point there will be diminishing returns. Like right, you, you like, just, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall. Was well, like when they were they had to rethink when they were trying to do like a Star Wars movie like almost every year. It was like, well, you're just oversaturating this market of an interest, not an event anymore. So it doesn't hit the box office high as you were thinking because it's not special and unique like it once was. That's that's a that's a really good point. I when when because in the in the nineties when they when they re released the. Uh, episodes four through six um that was a huge deal only because not only but it it had been uh almost 13 14 years since since there had been a star wars movie um there wasn't a lot of new stuff out there and uh i think that that anticipation was a big deal now to your point it's like you know Kind of like the Bond movies, like you said back in the in the seventies and eighties, it's like they're just cranking them out every two years. They're like they're just yeah. it's a machine at that point. And which like to me is I, was always like the perfect timeline of like two years. Yeah. Like if I don't get one of the like if I miss a year where there's not one, by the time the next year rolls around, I'm really ready for like another one. Yeah. So that was like the perfect way to do those every two years. Well, Craig, uh, Craig era really fucked it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think the movie production changed with the how the special effects and CG and so that it's just harder, I think, to keep that timeline going in a realistic way of just what it takes for like pre and post production now. Fair it wasn't quite. Fair. Um, although it did help too. They had Saltzman and Broccoli both for a while who would trade off. And so you kind of had a producer who could be working, having something in the works while you're going and getting the next one ready on one and that and that, um, which is interesting. This time of Spielberg is when he's he, he's so like had so many movies, so prolific because I guess like he's in he's coming into this. He's on post production on one movie. He's on production on this and like pre production on something else, and is just like constantly having like three balls in the air movie wise moving forward and I, like man that's like the talented guy <laughs> well and I, cameron i think was doing the same thing right i think um late 80s he had i think he had the abyss going he had the aliens movies going he had terminator stuff i mean he was i don't know maybe, maybe it's just the way these guys were in their careers they're just you know 
they're they're, oh, they're hustling and <laughs> i always think of cameron as taking forever to do anything <laughs> I mean, in the but, late in the eighties yeah, and nineties, he, he was cranking. Of, he was cranking stuff out though. Yeah, because T two, like True Lies, like The Abyss, well, they were pretty tight together in there. Well, so he, I'm thinking like Terminator is eighty four. I think Aliens is Aliens is eighty six. The Abyss is eighty nine, and that's a pretty groundbreaking technological movie. Yeah, and T two is ninety one, and then True Lies is I think ninety three or ninety four. So I mean. He, it was it was like almost every two years for about a decade. And then Cam- I mean Titanic ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. I mean he 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 had a pretty man. When you step back and look at it, you're like, yeah, that was a pretty crazy run too. Yeah, and um, then then he starts slowing down with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the abyss was eighty nine. That's the one I wanted to. Oh, so. <laughs> uh oh. Um. <laughs> so I'm reading a book right now. And you you asked like who in my notes of it's about um Vic Armstrong his career he's a famous stuntman and like stunt coordinator and um, I've heard the name I, I know the name I just couldn't place the the face um so he's worked on Bond movies and worked worked on the Indiana Jones movies and we'll probably talk about it a little more in Temple of Doom because on that one Harrison Ford got hurt and needed back surgery and so I think Vic Armstrong was doubling him and it's it's in that movie quite a bit. When you even when you think it's Harrison Ford, because Ford was recovering from surgery, and they were trying to shoot around that to keep production going. Yeah. Um, but he came out of retirement to. Uh, he was still working as like a stunt coordinator and like stunt director, but he came out of retirement as a stunt man to do this one. Because um, you're like, well, it's Indiana Jones and like Harrison Ford. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Um. But and now um now I've completely blanked. Well, oh, uh, so right. okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So, is it the sorry, world's the, greatest stuntman or the true adventures of the world's greatest stuntman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's pretty good so far. It's interesting. Um, they do look alike when you look at the stuff from the eighties. Like next it's to pretty. Each other, yeah. Like yeah, I could I, I could see it at a distance. Pretty, like they're they're gonna double pretty well for each other. Yeah, but he also did Christopher Reeves and Superman two. I think. Um. And then I, I think he did Total Recall with Schwarzenegger's. <laughs> um, but it, so, but in the, um, in the so the stunt he does the one who does the stunt where he jumps off the horse onto the tank. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. was talking about he's like, oh, I, I felt pretty good about it. Is a horse I worked with before. It's the same horse from Rambo Three that Stallone rides. <laughs> same year right like same same year that i thought you'd enjoy that <laughs> i love it i uh uh rambo 3 i think was or is that 90 um oh i forget 88 so so he was working with that horse before, the year yeah. before so they they held close i think they filmed parts of both of them in spain um and the horse was like the name was like hurricane or like in, in spanish or like huracan or something huracan, but, which is yeah. which is also a name for a lamborghini for the same reason um <laughs> i love it i uh I stuntmen so, yeah. have like so we we missed that in our casting talk the same the same horse from Rambo three <laughs> same horse from Rambo three and uh same <laughs> stunt guy I love it um that probably be a pretty interesting book I bet for yeah it's I pretty good he does a little bit about his life then he kind of just goes through like movie by movie and like talks about the the production and kind of what he did on it and yeah so it's pretty it's pretty interesting sounds like a pretty interesting life sounds pretty pretty wild at times yeah, oh, um, and you know what else he worked on. Uh-oh. The uh, Mustafa Akkad. Oh no! The um, uh, not a Halloween, but that like 
biopic he did about the um like Libyan leader. Oh, uh, about Gaddafi. I think yeah, yeah, that he worked on that too, and it just sounds like it was a, it was a pretty wild experience. I got I have to look that one up. I didn't realize Mustafa Khat had really done anything outside of um of I think, uh yeah uh, I don't think Halloween. much else, but like yeah that he kind of took it in more of a passion project of <laughs> interesting yeah enough to uh, do but uh yeah yeah i'm looking at his film i mean he's he's been tied to some pretty big movies um a lot of the bond yeah. a lot of the bond stuff though at least up through the brosnan era yeah so in the brosnan era we did a lot of like the stunt coordinating like borderline directing of action scenes um I don't know. I don't know a lot of that stuff, but then did the um, was the double for um, Lazenby. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's interesting to, to think about, like, this guy managed to I, the, 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 the tethers to bond in this. It's just it's amazing how many. Yeah. How many tether, and they're trying to make a bond that, movie in essence, but but better. And they they pull all the same people. It's it's kind of like. Uh, what was it like? I saw something yesterday. Quotes says, good writers uh will borrow great writers will steal and it does feel like uh spielberg <laughs> and lucas are kind of stealing all of the same talent i like it good choice <laughs> yeah um uh i was gonna ask you something oh what movie did you say that four needed back surgery and, and so that uh oh temple of doom simple doom okay um, i'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. look out for that now when we, when we watch that. yeah i was curious on this watch so I haven't watched it since I read that, and I so I was curious to watch of like how often you maybe see like him like a little more shadowed or like hat pulled down over his face a little bit. Or I bet that entire like, fight sequence on the uh, on the what do you call it uh, that conveyor belt where they're they're breaking up rocks. I bet that's oh, all yeah. Armstrong <laughs> because I was thinking about it, and they make a really big point of short round giving back india's hat and then he yeah, puts on he, he has like no shirt but then he puts a hat on <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it goes into a fight and i'm like that's probably now that i'm thinking about it probably a way for them to mask that to do it's a, not a stunt man or yeah because yeah. ford would do a lot of his own stunts um up to a point and like would is willing to do more but it hit the point of like no we can't have you do this because we can't lose you for weeks because you got hurt um but yeah but on that one obviously Probably a little less so if you're recovering from back surgery. Did he have to have back surgery because of the movie, or was it just? Uh... I think he, I think it like, was he something he came into the movie with a bit and then got exacerbated on the movie. But we probably need to look at that a little more before we do that. No, I'm just going to take whatever you said as the truth, and that's the okay. only thing. That's 100 that percent. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> like, uh, he was uh, a carpenter for a long time, so there's a good chance he maybe yeah. slipped a disc trying to uh, put a patio in yeah. somebody. So. <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about, which I kind of applies to all the movies, but really, I, we can focus on what we see in this movie. I know what you're going to talk <laughs> Go for it. So it's kind of two questions, and they're a little bit related, but is Indiana Jones a good professor? And is Indiana Jones a good archaeologist? <laughs> uh, no to both. <laughs> <laughs> because at this time, he... I know, like, I, I can't remember if it's this movie or Raiders where Brody says, "Oh, I'm, I'm sure everything you do adheres to the standards of that the was, it was, uh, Raiders. It was, it was Raiders. Okay, yeah. uh, but it seems like they're acknowledging, like, even within this, like, 
tactics he's, are a little questionable and <laughs> he's a little uh, dirty maybe yeah for what I, he's I, yeah i i think he is uh so i will I will take this one step further is in the 1980s. My dad was a professor and archaeologist. <laughs> this came out. And uh, his life was nothing like this. Um, <laughs> I'll say uh, I, I, I did. En- uh, dad did have a, his own lab at, at uh, Augusta State University where it was an archaeology lab, uh, but he didn't have ancient artifacts like Indy. I mean, his, his were more <laughs> focused around the civil war and pre-civil war era of Augusta, but um he he did have a it always made me laugh um especially now uh because there was kind of a weird humor but bitterness about how his profession got portrayed by indiana jones (laughs) because like i think my dad finished his he finished his doctorate like the year this came out for being an archaeologist i think there's some bitterness around that but he had a raiders of the lost ark poster for years on the front window of his lab and so you couldn't really okay. see what was inside, but it had this this smaller poster on the front window. And I think um, it did make me laugh because like I would go to my dad's office after school uh, when I was in elementary, middle school, I'd walk, walk to his office. And uh, um, it was a lot more just grading papers and uh, using AutoCAD to do uh, drawings for dig sites and stuff like that. So it really <laughs> wasn't as interesting. So I think Indy's a terrible professor because this just shows him basically just being overwhelmed and just saying fuck it and he climbs out of a window <laughs> just he goes all his students so i think i think indiana jones bad professor yeah and i was it seems like if you could like make a connection at the right time with him <laughs> like it's probably pretty maybe good you could have an interesting experience and learn a bunch but for the most part he was like, just like no showing half the time not getting yeah. papers just and at the end of it just giving everyone like an a <laughs> so that's probably that's probably exactly what he did actually it's a really <laughs> good point i um i i i think it's funny that in this on the archaeology thing he does seem to care a lot less about the importance of what he's you said it you know he's after his dad he's never after the grail and i I think it it does change his perspective which i like that turn especially at the end where he he forsakes trying to get the grail just so he he can get out with his dad i think that's a that's an important aspect of this yeah because so it's able to you're able to forgive some of the archaeology stuff in this one because the mission is his dad and so you like so when they're in venice He's just like destroying things exactly. at this site. <laughs> exactly. Bashing through everything. And like, it was like no effort of, oh, like, we need to carefully catalog and preserve these things and keep it. And it's like, let me just rip this skeleton out of the wall to get this uh, <laughs> cloth of light on fire. <laughs> or or um, I'm going to just, I, I, granted, it is for survival. I get it. But it's like, I'm going to turn over this, uh, yeah, this 500 year old body and encrypt right. to, to make sure I can just hide under it to, to escape fire. And say. This knight who has like the secret location of the Holy Grail could be like, oh, that's no historical relevance at all. It's something you'd <laughs> want to preserve and like put in a museum or like, I, uh, I, did, or... I, I did enjoy that. That like, there's really no fucks given by Indy for, for, for <laughs> yeah. serving anything. And then, juxtapose that to the end of Raiders where he gets the upper hand at the very end on the island where uh, Belloc's going to open the, the Ark of the Covenant and he has the upper hand with a with a bazooka to potentially blow up 
you know, granted it's 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 not the best idea because he's gonna probably kill Marion and and doing it, but Belloc's entire speech is around um, you know, we are we are passing through history, <laughs> but this is history and and he know Belloc knows that Indy's not gonna destroy it because it's too important to him personally as the you know, his motivator. And here you don't really see it, a lot of that motivation towards the importance and relevance of history for Indy. No, not at all. So I think he's getting worse as his career goes on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you forgive it because he's going after his dad, but it's funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, does not give a shit about uh, any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 uh, he's probably not a very good professor. I, that's I was trying to think, even in class, like, obviously he has a lot of knowledge. So he, because like, he goes and does these things and can like read these are things but I don't know like pretty questionable if uh did they ever say where he went to school like because to your point earlier he, he, I don't he's know all they over the, the movies he went to the University of Chicago oh okay and no they do know. they do say you're right they do say that in the movies they they do say it at the beginning of Raiders yeah they're, they're doing the introductions there's something of but I, I yeah, uh, I'd have to, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious the timeline of when he was able to become a doctor and do all this traveling and all the other <laughs> stuff. It just seems like it's like a bridge too far of like, if he was 50, I would believe it. But being like maybe 40 in this movie, it's like he's had a very busy, very very busy uh uh last couple of decades. Yeah, because this being post Temple of Doom, post Raiders. And he's already kind of like a known professor. Yeah. So like 1924, 1925 ish, he really needs to be banging out that doctorate. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's working on a dissertation. He's he's busy, yeah. man. He's he's really busy. Yeah. Um uh what was your favorite action sequence in this? Because I we were talking about it, you know, there's the motorcycle Ugh. chase, there's the tanks, the tank scene at the end with the horses, with the Rambo three horse. Uh, there's the boat chase in Venice, and uh, then there's the. I mean, we we kind of talked about the opening, the uh, fight on the boat with um, the cold open for for Indy being introduced. But um, do you have a favorite that stood out to you? My favorite is probably the motorcycle chase when they're escaping That's, the castle. That is just because you get his, just because you get his dad being like so like unimpressed and. <laughs> <laughs> like judging him or like except for one moment where Indy pick, grabs from the side like a flagpole and there's like another motorcycle coming at him and he like readies it down like he's gonna be jousting and you see his dad get like a little bit excited <laughs> and it's like I think it's like the professor of like medieval literature he's like ooh jousting <laughs> like <laughs> I missed that I need to go back and watch that part again I, and then gonna, he gets just, like say. a little smile or a little interest on his face and then immediately goes back to pure disapproval of... <laughs> <laughs> I watched that 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 was my choice too was I I really like that scene um when and I were watching it and he when when Indy just takes and chucks the the, the flagpole into the guy's spokes and the yeah. motorcycle explodes and the guy goes twenty feet in the air, when just goes, is that guy is that real? I'm like, no, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> they didn't really do that, but it was fun because he was, was sort of like a how did they do that you know moment yeah, for, oh, for yeah, special yeah. effects. Like, that's really like wow. Although one thing that's always bothered me at the beginning of that is the uh, the Joe Bluth moment <laughs> <laughs> where Indy buys uh, twenty seconds of time. <laughs> Uh, 
it, so they run is, up. If he just waited thirty more seconds, it would have it would have been super effective. Right, and so I, it's not the choice by by Indiana Jones. It's the choice of the movie because with Indiana Jones, I get like it's a chaotic moment. You're trying stuff. You're just like trying to distract people. You're doing. And so I don't have a problem with the character doing it, but the movie I find it's a weird choice that so he runs up he gets on the boat and starts it and unties it um and his like dad's gonna get in and he's like no we're not like but so he's just setting the boat off with no one in it to go and then the bad guys run up they get in it they start to load into a boat but before they even go off he shoots out on the motorcycle and they're gone he's like well then the whole boat thing <laughs> as much time as you spend doing the boat it's how much time you saved. Like you could have just gotten in the motorcycle and taken off. Like <laughs> you saved no time. These guys just jumped out of their boat back on the dock and are right there to chase after you. And like for the movie, I always found it like a weird choice of like that accomplished nothing. <laughs> no, and it, and, it, and it's again if he just waited a few more seconds for them to go, those guys to get in the boat, he would have he yeah. would have pulled it off. Um, I, I don't know. I, I but I do. I still I I like that. That is the Joe Bluth moment of this movie. I um, uh, I love the way they play Henry's reaction to to everything Indy does. Is Indy's laughing at what he did because he hates Nazis and you know he's jabbing guys in the chest with this uh, flagpole and then blowing up motorcycles and just laughing to himself. And he looks at Henry with just complete disappointment. <laughs> just yeah. I think it's such a well delivered joke uh, a couple times in the scene, uh, and that actually ends with one of the, the, the one of this uh pieces that sort of startles me the most when i watch this is um uh henry and and uh indy stop and realize they've got to go to berlin to get the 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 diary back henry's diary back and um henry just slaps the shit out of indy and it's just this very jarring moment where where it it sort of regrounds you makes you realize that that henry still is sort of the the elder here than and even though indy's the the man of action uh henry might have the better plan and, and the better idea of how to how to do this but to me i always like that because it really brings like what their relationship has been and why it's strained and how it probably was a hard like hard life childhood. as a kid living with this guy who is not is just very inflexible on what he believes um and ah, as, the, as, like, the... for a kid would be a very difficult life <laughs> Yep, benefit of Christianity right there. It's just <laughs> slapping people yeah. for blasphemy. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, but it, it's a, it's it is a good moment between the two of them because you're right. You you get so much backdrop into who Henry is and who Indy was and how they probably got along. And that obviously there's a there's a big piece of Henry's belief structure that that Indy seems to to buck and and maybe shun for how he how he views the world and, and what he believes in. Like anyway, you never you, you never really get a sense that Indy is actually religious or that he believes in God or or that you know religion is important to him other than it's a pursuit in terms of the academics of it never never a spiritual right thing. and that all pays off at the end when he has to do the three like tests trials movie yeah. traps that he has to confront what do I actually believe versus what what if I like kind of push back against from my dad? Like I have to, I have to now think about who am I? What do I believe? 
um, and not just, you know, be rebelling against my father and, and these things. I think so. That actually takes us to the end of the movie, which is really important that we've not talked about is, <laughs> the is the penitent man. Jehovah begins with an I. <laughs> I feel like Jay would be pissed if we did not talk about it. At least in the yeah. uh, so I, I, I think I've had this thought a couple times, but really crystallized for me in this one when it's like the penitent man kneels is like humble before God. He kneels, and it's like okay, so it's to kneel. Except if you kneel, there's like two blades that come out in this trap. One that's like cuts the people's heads off, but then there's one that comes straight up from the floor. Randy has to kneel and then do a little roll, and as I was like, "What? What? What's the? What is? What is this testing?" Like, I wonder if he had just kneeled and stopped moving, if he would have still gotten hit by the other blade that comes up from the ground. Like, if he just stopped or it where if, he was, or if I don't know, it's you're right. It, it almost feels like they just needed to make it a little like one more challenge higher than or than something ducking. yeah they added to add a little more than him just ducking they make it a little more actiony like it's fine for the movie it's more exciting and dynamic but, but but you're right it doesn't make sense with what the the what the parable or whatever it is he's <laughs> reading is relative to to what the, the trial is yeah it, it's a little too too much um the, the penitent male gymnast will pass <laughs> <laughs> you think uh who would have navigated this better kurt thomas or <laughs> yeah, oh kurt thomas he would he would have done he would have crushed uh Jonathan, oh man, what was this character's name in Jim Katah? Damn it. Oh god. <laughs> proud Jonathan to say Ka- I Jonathan didn't... Jonathan Cabot. I pulled that without even looking it up. Yeah, I'm proud to say I did not know. <laughs> well, I am proud to say that I normally not proud of being ignorant, but <laughs> not knowing the character from Jim Katah. <laughs> well, I think you're missing out. Um uh because Parmistan Parmistan would have not been freed if it weren't for the the hard work of Jonathan Cabot. Does that border the uh, the country in this one that existed for ten months? <laughs> I'd like to think that Parmistan was the country that they talk about, <laughs> but, or, or yeah, a nearby border. But the guy who wanted lucky. the Rolls Royce, yeah, I don't even like the color. It's like I have a daughter; <laughs> you can marry her. Um, but yeah, I, the other thing you you mentioned in your notes was on the trials, uh, the bridge and how they shoot the bridge. Where it's the um, it's I think it's effectively the leap of faith is the I don't I don't know what the correct word for it was but um you have to step out on this invisible bridge so you, was your question is it glass and it was always there so well, I just never know if so the way they shoot it they show like his like the his toes over the edge yeah from there's the bottom there. and there's nothing there and to like to do that is implying. There is literally nothing here, and you, when you step off, you could fall. If and so, it's kind of it's positing that if you truly believe, God will catch you. It will put like the stone will appear, and you'll be able to cross. But but then when he like he throws like the rocks across. You can see the rocks, but they're kind of, it still seems like it's see-through. Yeah. But then, like, Donovan and Elsa are able to pass. So it seems like once one person does it, <laughs> it's just there. Like, God doesn't come and take it away now. Or And, and I, I, I liked your interpretation yeah. of, like, it's something I'm definitely thinking way too much about. Um, 
I, no, maybe not. I, I, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of supernatural stuff here. I think the intent of it is, Indy has to, for lack of a better word, put faith into God or believe that that He will not fall and that that there's something bigger at play than than just Him. And if He can believe that and and move past it, it almost manifests itself to be to be real. I think with the Elsa and Donovan crossing after, it's almost like Indy was able to show them there's a path and, 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 a, and, a, and a way forward. So they forward. can believe. And so they can believe. His... And it's almost, it's okay. almost like, uh, I'm going to go with the Peter Pan rules uh, from Hook, where when he <laughs> begins to believe he's Peter Pan again, the food begins to materialize and all the stuff sort of changes <laughs> yeah. and he can fly. It's kind of like that, I think. I mean, another Spielberg movie. <laughs> another Spielberg movie. So, because um, I, I, I was thinking about it too and I was getting hung up and I'm like, this whole movie is predicated on on understanding there is something not of this world, perhaps that that's taking place. That, that's a backdrop to all of what's going on, and I think that yeah. I'm okay with. I'll let that one go. That that I'm doing a lot of work for it, perhaps, but but I'm okay with giving it that that credibility. Yeah. So I guess the answer to my question is like is yes. <laughs> if that's what you believe, then yes. <laughs> yeah. Is kind of that's like that's like what faith is. <laughs> um, Correct mundo. Which, not surprisingly, is something I struggle to <laughs> fully make that leap. Well, to your point, that's what Indy's struggle is that in that moment is he's having to reconcile being somebody who's probably born of science, having to make a, a literal leap of faith. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a good moment. It, it, it's one where if the way it's set up. If Henry's in that same situation, I I would think Henry is not having such a existential moment uh, trying to figure out if he can cross that bridge. I think it's Henry in Henry's mind. It's there and it always has been there. But but Indy is still skeptical, um, which is uh, we should talk about for a second. I know we're doing this out of order, but <laughs> he is he is skeptical that there is something there is a supernatural bridge here, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but he also was in India where, you know, two years before this, he watched a guy's chest uh, get ripped open and have his heart taken out. And the guy stayed alive the entire time. So he, or he probably, literally knows the Ark of the Covenant is real. And he knows that he's, he's seen the power of God uh, open like, up yeah, and seem... murder 20 Nazis. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> seems, I mean, I guess he didn't see it. He had his eyes closed. <laughs> I think when Very you open your eyes and all, everybody's gone, you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's a pretty good chance. You... Like, yeah, it seems like it'd be a little easier to have that faith when you've yeah it shouldn't be such a jump being form, such literal like, jump. yeah i uh like, it, like for you or me it seems like a bit like a bit more of a stretch versus oh i've seen literal magic miracles occur yeah <laughs> like, and i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i mean raiders i think that's the big mystical piece is the ark of the covenant opening to your point at the end and and it, and it, free, it effectively frees them and then yeah with Temple of Doom. He watches people live through their ma- major organs being ripped out, and right, well, and, like, then, like, and he gets the Sankara stones, like yeah, burn through. They heat the up when they get like, all three of them to get together, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> or like it, the removing it. I mean, this is a little easier to like say there's a scientific explanation, but removing it has caused like a drought or crops not yeah. to grow, and returning it has right. But that's that's a little easier to be like, well coincidence yeah or like yeah to dismiss with so i think um <laughs> we've now made indy look like an idiot because he should just understand <laughs> there's yeah 
So, that is a good point with the Ark of the Covenant. Like that to me feels crazier than we found the cup of Christ and it's and it's in this cave in ancient uh, Syria. Like that Ark of the Covenant actually. Yeah. Anyway, it, anyway, I'm not gonna. I don't want to dwell on it. I like this movie too much. I'm not gonna. <laughs> not gonna criticize it. I also yeah. um, was confused when I watched Raiders. I did not re- until this year. I did not realize it was Indiana Jones. Uh, and it's not it's not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Famously, yes. Which I if you're someone who is that. nine years old in 1981, you're goddamn insufferable about. <laughs> it, are you? Are people like correcting really bad about people? That? Oh, it's something people love to like correct others on. Like, well, actually, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> it's like, all right, like, sorry, I lived in a world where that's not what anyone called it. <laughs> <laughs> it in my head because uh it's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and it's Indiana Jones and the yeah. Last Crusade. In my head Raiders was an Indiana Jones and movie yeah. and then when I was when I took Carter to go see it this week I'm like oh my bad. All right. It's okay. Just Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just but, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. But literally our whole childhood that's what wrong. everyone called it. If it was going to yeah. be on TV, they'd be like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like Sunday at four, like like Sunday, Sunday, just, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Come watch the power of Christ kill Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the guy from the Demolition Derby is doing the CBS uh, Sunday movie announcements, but I hey, love it. probably <laughs> they probably had him in between filming stuff. They're like, well, let's get him to do some ads for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always think about uh, what was it? What was the name of the <laughs> the robot or not the robot? But uh, was it Carosaurus on the Simpsons? That Truckosaurus. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. All right, hey, uh, that's a good one. I'm gonna take a quick bathroom break, but then we probably want to wrap this one up. Or you want to keep going? Okay. Uh, no, no, we probably want to get to. We're pushing three hours. <laughs> Excellent. I'll be right back. And I am back. This, these are the these are the longest a two bathroom break one. <laughs> well, I ch- in, since we've been doing this Impressive. episode, we started this at six forty five in the morning. <laughs> I've had two full cups of coffee and I drank a thirty two ounce <laughs> bottle of water. So I probably just need like a porta potty in the garage where I record, so I can just <laughs> go on mute and just stand up and go. <laughs> Uh, please don't do that because I have a feeling when you stand up, the what will be right in front of the camera is not something I'm interested in seeing. Uh, I think you are, but that's okay. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking about it, and I was like, for you know, ranking these. I know we're not technically recording all of these in order, but I, I think you and I both have watched Raiders. I think within the last week, and um. We didn't take notes for it, so we didn't kind of officially do it. If it makes sense for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Still, and I love it kids. so much. I'm gonna rewatch it and take notes. It's uh, funny. Um, I I am too. Uh, and I I think is it stream. It's I think it's streaming right now on yeah, the, HBO they have, or is um, it on Par- I know it's on Paramount, Paramount right? Plus and Disney Plus has it. So I um, it's funny. I'm so we're taking the kids to Hilton Head uh today, and I oh, remember wow. um. Kelly and Sam are going with their mom this week to Hilton Head. Uh, see, cool. Where are they going to be? I guess. No idea. Okay. Cool. <laughs> if I see them, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. I'll give them a high five. Um. Yeah. But we, I remember as a kid, I don't know why, but I was with my grandparents had a house down there, and uh, your point on Sunday afternoon, I remember we were leaving. I was probably like ten, and uh, we were leaving. 
and we're packing up and my grandparents had this old uh antenna tv in the one of the upstairs bedrooms <laughs> and raiders was on and i was supposed to be packing and it was the scene where they're in marion's bar and i just remember sitting down and watching i'm like okay i'm just gonna stop packing i'm just gonna watch this entire thing <laughs> yeah i got sucked into the whole movie um, and I just have, I have such good memories of watching this, all of these as, as a kid. I feel like Temple of Doom was on TV all the time. Um, I saw this one in theaters. I think I'm going to have a really hard time just not getting all of these like fives on everything we do just because it, it was an yeah. important <laughs> movie as a kid for me. And, um, yeah, I, don't like, know. I it's, can it's... nitpick a lot of it, but the nitpicks are like within the Indiana Jones franchise which is so a great feels, place to be no matter where yeah, you are <laughs> it feels weird to rate these against other movies and against them each other because i'm like okay well like like temple of doom not as good as like raiders and like but or like like last crusade i'm like well i think like raiders is a little better but i like i don't like i think last crusade is fantastic so um as a movie I want to give it, but as something that's like part of the franchise, if like you're saying Raiders is the best, so that gets the top score. Like, do you knock Last Crusade down a tiny bit to not be as, or are you just like, oh, we're rating movies on this thing? Like, I don't know. If I gave, uh, I don't know. If I hit sudden death four, <laughs> four whatevers, <laughs> can I re- <laughs> can I really only give this like four and a half? Like. <laughs> Because uh, this is this is a, a well well ahead of. Uh, oh, by any of the even probably Crystal Skull is better than most of the action canon stuff we've seen, and and I think that's yeah. a good point. Is probably any rankings we give it or ratings we'll give it are in the context of that this franchise, not movies on the whole or other stuff we've done. To your point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure where to where to go. I know in my in my notes I gave this a uh, five out of five tapestries. <laughs> I uh, I. Did I even give a ranking? I am Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) I think I gave it um, uh, four points. What did you you give it a four and a half? I gave it five. Okay, I'm gonna just move on up to five. I had four point seven five, which is fucking stupid. It's gonna be a five because this is a huge movie for me as a kid. But it's gonna be a five out of five ballpoint pins because Henry (laughs) the pin is mightier than the sword. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, why, like, why am I torturing myself? Just give it a five and love it. Like, I, I think I'm gonna do that on all of these. Like, that's the, um, it would, it's gonna sound dumb, but I'm like, that's just kind of how like I just I like all these movies. Like, they're they're really great. And I, I remember on, um, again on the weekends they would just do marathons of they do a six to eight hour run of all three of the indie movies in the '90s, and you're like, great. I know what I'm doing today. I'm just gonna sit and watch all of these because they're fantastic. Yeah, every now and then, like the Paramount Network, um, will have like an indie weekend where they like play the yeah. first three. Um, I don't think they normally play Crystal Skulls, but um, I'm wondering at what point my wife is gonna dread that because <laughs> now, like, I own all these movies and they're available on streaming pretty regularly. But if the t- if a TV network's doing it, I'm like, well, this is what we're putting on TV. Like, no, same. Uh, I, I, I'm the same. This and, is what and we're doing it, this weekend. I guess we're watching all of them. Yeah. Uh, Anna was just relieved that. Um, um, Anna was just relieved we are not watching canon movies or Chuck Norris movies anymore. <laughs> so yeah. She was like, Indiana Jones, great. Whatever. 
that's like Shakespeare. It's like whatever you want. It's it's, it's better than it's like 90% the problem. Of what you watched. The problem is though, it's going to make the podcast three hours. <laughs> I'm okay. I we're actually at least covering a good movie. That's the, yeah. That's the and I don't. We're going to need nice to thing. block out some time for Raiders because I could talk about that movie for like six hours on my own. So just whatever whatever you need to add. <laughs> uh, no, we should probably do that. On like we might a, need to start like three in the morning on that one. <laughs> I'm fine. I, I I'm good with that. If we if we need to. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what which one we want to. So I guess we can figure out whatever one we want to record next. But I think to your point, do we still want to do this? We're still going to do this the same firing order we we talked about where we're going to go. Crystal, I think so backwards. to release them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that'll be a fun way yeah. to release it. Yeah. Also, we haven't talked about we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> yeah. The dog. <laughs> you are named after the dog. <laughs> Uh, did they ever explain that anywhere in the history of the of the movies? Otherwise, like why they would have named him after the dog? Uh, I or think was... it's just a name he liked. That, that so it's he's Indiana Jones because Indiana was the name of Lucas's dog. But his name, his real name is he, name he, he's Henry Jones. He's Jr. Henry Jones Jr. But this is the that's first right. We find that and they explain that's that right. I forgot Indiana in this one, which seems like an insane thing although it's based in reality that he is named after a dog george lucas's dog but it also i don't know why it's i think because you're so happy at this point in the movie that just about anything and it kind of explains why his dad is like well yeah your name is henry jones jr i'm not calling you the same as the dog um (laughs) uh, i don't know i don't know why it works this is like iconic character and he named himself like from a dog (laughs) It, but somehow it works. I love it. I I, I think I love it. I just I love this movie. Yes, yeah. everything in the, in it works for me, kind of top to bottom. I've never. I've, there's nothing. I'm seeing this through the the eyes of me being six or seven when this came out, and it uh, it's going to be hard for me hard to, to ever unwind that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think. No, um, I and but, I, but I could my kids watch it too. Your kids watched it too. I think. Right? Yeah, and they love I mean, it. Like we're so that's why we watch Raiders because they. We're doing, they'd never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. So we started doing those in preparation of the new one. And How, we're also, do they, they like them or? Yeah, they're, they're um, definitely enjoying them. Although I'm learning, um, I think <laughs> Kelly may have more of the loving movie DNA in her than Sam. Um, than Sam to a, to a bit. And like, but like she may like really have it, I'm learning because. She's like definitely interested. Like it's like for years we'd watch movies, and if it got later at night, Sam would fall asleep. Yeah, and would always be like, "Oh, well, he's just younger, and he got tired," um, and that. But he's getting to an age now. He's like, "Well, what his age?" Kelly was watching movies, and she would not fall asleep, and and so it's just like, "Oh, he's catching getting to an age where like Kelly was fully engaged." <laughs> In, in a movie and like was never going to fall asleep because a movie was on. Um, and that's so like, oh, she may just be a, a wired by more like us of <laughs> kind of loving this stuff. Um, but yeah, oh, so we, sure. that's why we did Raiders um, to get ready for the new one. So we'll, we'll have to bang out the, <laughs> the other three as well because uh, it's not too far, like 20 days. No, it's not. Um, I think Carter Carter is the same as Sam. Um, he he just doesn't have the attention span to want to sit through a full movie. But when yeah, like, if if it, if it captivates him, he will just stop everything. Sam doesn't mind, but he just um, 
he, he just easily falls asleep during this stuff. Um, and, and some of it is he's just wired a little differently. So it's like 10 o'clock at night. He's just tired and going to fall asleep. Yeah. Um, but even like earlier, he can still. Uh, he's more it better like be his interest level of anything, whereas Kelly is kind of up for just about any movie of. Uh, yep, that's kind of how Winnie is. Is he's he's yeah. he's pretty easy to please, which is great. Makes it makes it makes it pretty easy. Yeah. Want to yeah. watch something? Like I said in the, uh, he watched the end of Delta Force Two with me with no issues. <laughs> in bed and watched it. I'm like, uh, good right. for him. Like, good sorry, for buddy. Him. Um, all right. So we're going to do after this temple of doom and then we're going to do Raiders. And then I think at the end of that, we're going to do dial of destiny, right? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Which will be interesting. It'll probably be a little different of an episode because probably won't be able to really take notes and it'll be a kind of one-off viewing. And, um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but it kind of be more of a reaction of, a. I thought about trying podcast. to do that when I watched Raiders cause I took Carter to see it at Cinemark and, uh, I was like, can I get away with getting on my phone and just turning the brightness and down just, and just trying, and trying to punch to out notes? notes? And I'm uh, like, I'm not going to watch this the way I want to with him if I do uh, Yeah, I was like, like, it's I'm not worth it. Um, no. Yeah. So I, I, and then for I Dial of Destiny, the first time watching a movie is never great to be taking notes. No, you got to When you can't it. at least pause it and rewind back if you miss something while you're doing a note. Or like, yeah, you better just absorbing it and getting logging your reaction. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a good point all right i guess i'll see it twice (laughs) (laughs) um okay all right then uh we will catch everybody later uh but this has been fun uh this will be the first of our episode yeah (laughs) so all right peace